Common sense ain't that common anymore Seems common sense is past tense just like the dinosaur Political correctness has got a lot to answer for Cause common sense... Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the Common Sense series. Haven't done one of these in a while, so I thought I'd pump one out. Very special guest today. Uh, guy's pretty well-rounded on, on numerous issues, not just in Victoria and Australia, but the world. Matthew Wong, discernible. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. Hey, Bogues. Not that special. Mate, it's an honour to be here. I... Uh... I, I feel honoured to count you as a friend lately. Some of the scheming we've get up to over Signal. <laughs> Has to be on the Signal app though. The self-delete is very important. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to sell this stuff to uh, Harold Sun, mate, one day when you when we stop being friends. I need to make some coin off you somehow. Well, there's not much to sell because I kind of voice the same opinions on Twitter. So um, there's, there's not much intrigue left on old bogues, but... Uh, for people out there that aren't familiar with with who you are, um, I'll give a bit of background. Discernible is your channel on on, uh, on, on Instagram, Twitter, or, or social media platforms. You've you've relaunched your podcast now, much more professional than Rogue Bogues at the moment. But um, I caught your videos. Uh, I believe it was probably mid late two thousand twenties. I started seeing Discernible pop up on my Instagram feed. Really liked kind of what was coming out. That's kind of how I. Got to know who you are. I, I messaged you. I ended up going on on discernible myself when I was in Melbourne for a couple of months, um, and that's kind of our connection. But but break down discernible. I know you're from Sydney originally. You moved to Melbourne. Why discernible? How discernible? Give us the all the goss on, on on what your plans are. Well, you've opened up this conversation saying Matthew Wong. You only hear your full name when you're in trouble from your parents, right? So or a professional podcast. Professional podcast. Professional podcast. Well, I raise that because I hate my name. I've always hated my name. Uh, I find it generic. I mean, Wong, come on. Do you know how many Wongs there are? There's literally a billion of us. One point, <laughs> whatever, billion of us. It's very John Smith-ish. What's John? Oh, John Smith, yes, for the white boys. Um, yeah, yeah. So can we, sorry, I don't know if, how loose I can be with my language like that. As Is loose that as you want to be. Yeah, okay, cool. So I've always hated my name and uh, – I, I just wanted something different. So I, I found a name called it Discernible just to describe what started as business uh, business um, stuff. I'm, I'm really passionate about business and come from a long career history, both in the entrepreneurial side, starting running my own businesses, hiring staff and doing that whole thing, selling businesses. And then I went into corporate for a while, worked at um, places like Yamaha selling drones and, and Tesla and, and – uh, Places like that. And then, yeah, I, I worked in AI for a while and I'm sorry to say I was responsible for pushing a lot of the clickbait in newsrooms around Australia. Not not the clickbait so much, but we were selling the AI technology that, that kind of makes feedback loops in, in clickbait. So I don't know if people realise. A lot of social media you see from The Age, The Guardian, um, the right wing as well, Sky News, and even, even not just news like Condé Nast and Vogue, and um, Vice all the and Broadsheet, all of these companies uh, used our technology or a variation of it from our competitors, which would uh, monitor in real time people's responses on social and then uh, sort of build feedback loops and feed back to them what causes the most engagement, which we've now discovered is usually outrage. And so, yeah, we were automating newsrooms uh, as much as possible using this kind of technology. So that's kind of a shameful part of my career. I regret that. 
yeah, wouldn't be too proud of that. that but uh, someone's got to do it, I guess. But yeah, you do make a fair point because I used to talk to a journalist friend of mine um, who covers AFL, and I was like, "Stop with all the wags stories! Like, yeah, stop! Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just crap!" Like, no, and he's like, "They're our, our our best engagement is the wag stories." And I was like, "Okay, point taken." So, mate, when you see a wag story pop up in the Daily Mail, there's some hottie hottie in in the front on the on the headline in the picture. I'm a guy, like straight away. I'm like, oh, what's that story about? Like, that's what they're doing. They're just <laughs> racing to the bottom of the brainstem. Yep. No, definitely. It, def- it makes sense as far as clicks and engagement, but is it the right kind of people you want clicking and engaging? That's the question. But um, yeah, go on. Discernible. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, what am I up to? Uh, th- yeah. So look, I just I, I've been I quit that place that um, that AI clickbait type place that was headquartered in London. I was running APAC and I, I resigned because of moral issues. I said, this is wrong and, and so on. And then I, I did this and nobody cared about business videos. And then I started to call out the rubbish lies I was seeing in politicians, which I'll put on the record now. It's not just Labor, it's Liberal as well. But I started to call it out in uh, the Labor state government in Victoria because they were in power at the time and people liked our stuff. So I kept doing it. And it's transformed now into like a Joe Rogan. Like we do- Long forms. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's the best way. I think that's what I'm somewhat trying to do here with um, numerous series. I think not putting a time slant on things is very, very important because some people can go deep into things. Some people might might not want to talk about things and then you go on to the next subject, whatever it is. And and as we spoke about off air, I, you know, if the podcast goes an hour, it goes an hour. If it goes three, it goes three. And I think they're the best. I think people are engaging more with that now, which is kind of steering away from the clickbait. So it's kind of the anti-clickbait of um, – you know, what we just spoke about is you have to kind of tune into a Joe Rogan for two or three hours to get the whole the whole point of, of, of what's been spoken about. And it's very hard to clickbait, you know, a, a podcast that goes that long because I can just be like, hang on a second, I've, you've taken that out of context. You've grabbed 20 seconds of, of three hours. Like here's the pre and post and it's on record. So I think, I think it's, you know, not the way of the future. It's the way of the now, I think. Well, you listen to podcasts, yeah? 100%, yeah. Yeah, so you know what it's like when you're you're riding a bike, or you're in a gym, or you're driving your car, whatever you're doing, and you just got this. You just go deep, you know. The first ten minutes, you're kind of getting into it, but then after a while, you kind of, you're in the room. Like right now, there'll be people listening to us in their head, in their earphones right now, and you know, you just get into a, a flow. and And a lot of what what we'll be talking about today is not really. I'm not a very smart guy, but I. I mean, I'm not stupid, but a lot of stuff I have to say, people say, oh, it's so profound. Yeah, it is because it's all these podcasts I listen to and I'm absorbing both podcasts that I make with people and podcasts that I listen to, whether it be Rogan's or Lex Friedman's or um, you know, huge, crazy people. Uh, and I'm absorbing all of that in their worlds. And I, I just think this has made me such a better human. I'm such a fan of podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. And just I drive a fair bit. I've, I've done I've done numerous uh Road trips from from Queensland to Victoria over the last couple of years for reasons we can we can discuss at a later date, but uh, just didn't want to get stuck somewhere without a car. If that makes sense, in case that that old lockdown leak came on a Sunday night, I was in the car and gone. Um, but yeah, just especially driving for me, I just just put it on, tune out, and it's it's reading a book in your car, um, really to me, or, or or on the airplane or on the bus or whatever it is, or even just killing time. You know, get to appointments thirty minutes early, chuck in some headphones, and just just tune out for thirty minutes. I think it's pretty cool. I, I really enjoy them. I know a lot of people do out there. That's kind of why I got involved in them. But um, for you, discernible. I mean, I, I realized it was a a big passion project for you once I showed up to your quote unquote studio the first time, um, which now Mate, has been at the that- door you had a go at me. <laughs> did I? 
You got the door. Yeah. When you came in the door, you're like, oh, is this it? I thought you had a professional studio. <laughs> oh, I was giving Come you a bit man. of shit. It was, it was loosely with a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that's when I knew it was a passion project. I knew you were really passionate about it because for, for context, you had a, a, a one of your bedrooms decked out into a studio. Um, yep. Your baby was there at the time, right? Your wife. Uh, yep. So I'm like, yep. this guy is really dedicated because that's, I know how hard it is just to do an audio podcast out of a home with two children in it because I've been doing it the last 18 months, especially when, when kids weren't in school at that point yet. It's you got to get everything quiet. you got to kind of stress about sound, all that kind of stuff. Don't interrupt me. So um, that's when I got a, a taste for how passionate you are about it. And you haven't moved on now. You've, you've, you've fitted out, a, 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 I would say, an upgrade on, on that now. Yeah, mate. We've, we've got a whole property now. We rent it out and we've built – We've built three studios, so yeah, we're going hard. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you love to see it, and I think um, a lot of people that follow your channel have appreciated, you know, the content you put out. I think just the vast, you know, you know the variety of people that you've had on. Um, I, I don't think it's one-sided, in my opinion. Some people probably will think it is, um, same as they think my guests are one-sided. But I think you, you're pretty open to business people, to politicians, to you know, controversial people. I think that's that's the whole point of podcasts. That's the whole point of, of having these this dialogue is, is is having having people that you disagree with on. Now now I can't get a lot of people on here that are all in pro Dan fans or all in mm -hmm. against kind of my views. I would love to because I would love to have that. Why won't they come on? Because I'm seen as a the the fascist side of of, of whatever their 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 brain is on the day, you know, uh, it's just that label of like, oh, you're anti this, you're anti, you know, anti health, you you want to kill granny, or that's just an example when you can't when you go down to the COVID stuff with Dan. But it's it's I would love to have people that disagree with me, and I think it's important to have those discussions as an adult. Like it doesn't need to be abusive, it doesn't need to be um, anything that's 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 you know hurting each other. But I think having those conversations are important and just to relay the point of where I'm going with this is why I liked Discernible and I thought it had some of those conversations where I might not have agreed with everything, but it kind of triggered something like, oh, maybe that's a different point of view I haven't seen rather than just like, you know, you can't say that because it's it's opposite to the narrative that we're pushing out by the media or the government. And if we can't have that in society, I think we're, we're in big, big trouble, right? Yeah, there is one uh, bias. I'll, I'll, I'm just scrolling through my uh interview list because people say, oh, you've always got political people on. It's literally less than 50% of political. A lot of them are various sort of scientists or singer-songwriters or whatever, economists. Uh, but I have noticed a theme and that is that everyone on my podcast seems to be speaking against the um, government narratives. And I think that's just the reality of I, I'm open to anyone having on. I'd love to have. I've invited PR guy seventeen multiple times. Uh, I've invited Daniel Andrews on. I've invited the. I had one of my staff members literally email every single politician in Australia, so they they all have an have an invite to come on Discernible, and so that's left wing, that's Greens, that's Labor, uh, and the reality is they don't want to come on, and it's you know. PR guy might have his reasons to not come on fine and and then a Greens member might have the reasons to not come on fine. And But you start to notice a pattern over time is that the libs or more right-wing leaning type of people or more anti-government um, narrative people like um, the LDP party and Limbrick and so on, they'll come on. And the people who have something to lose because they're invested into a government narrative, they won't come on. So I guess there is that kind of sway throughout my guest list. But but would you also think that um, I guess Labor's just 
you know, they're so in with mainstream media for the most part, in Victoria at least. That's what I mean, yeah. So, so yep. do they not bother going on the small fry, discernible rogues because why would we need to do that? We have the voice of the people through, you know, all the major mainstream media TV channels, newspapers, whereas, you know, Limbricks and so on have a smaller footprint and they're like any media is good media. So it could be that mentality as well, I think. Yeah, not just size though, because I actually have had big federal Labor MPs and some Greens MPs from up your way in Queensland agree to come on. And I'm like, great, I'll have them on. I'll let them talk about climate change and I'll make them look as good as possible. Like we don't smear people on the show. So I've had vegans on saying how good veganism is on, on the show and we'll push it. Then I've had carnivorous people on saying veganism's rubbish and we'll push it. Like I'm open. I want people to make up their own minds. But the Greens people that I just talked about and the federal labor um, pollies, they say yes. And then when we start to organize the interview, they say- they bail. Um, well, they don't bail. They say, can, like I said to you before this interview, I said, what topics do you want to talk about? Just so I can get ready with some facts in case I need to refer to them. But I wasn't trying to control the interview. But these guys, they say to me, look, we want the ability to edit the interview. So you record the long form, but then you give it to us and we will give you what you're allowed to publish. <laughs> yeah, it defeats the purpose. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And another one another one said, oh, yeah, that's fine. We can interview, but we want to veto over any part of the interview that we tell you to delete out of long form. You have to delete it. And I said, well, you know, like we can have a discussion. Like if you, I don't know, you pick your nose on camera or something you want to delete, like that's that's fine. But we, we haven't actually had to do that coincidentally. But they're, they're talking about like total editorial control over the message. I'm like, what, what are we like a Labor Party campaign office? So this always comes from one side of issues. It never comes from the the other side. The more freedom-loving people say, no, just whatever, ask me whatever you want. And it makes you think what's going on with these mainstream interviews, you know? So it's obviously happening oh, there because they're just so trained to do it with, with any media. Hey, we want... We want editing rights. We want this. We want that. I'll oh, take that out. Where it's the mainstream media knows, or we'll, we'll, we'll scratch their back. They'll scratch ours. And it's the more you dig into it, it's a deep rabbit hole. But there's there, there is a massive relationship between government and mainstream media, and, and that's how it works. And I've I've done similar things as a professional athlete. Like I've done interviews where I've where I've said some controversial things, and they'll come up to me after and be like, "Hey, do you want to edit that out? It's a bit, you know." I'm like, "No." Nah. Like they're my thoughts. Like I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm. I don't shy away from it. One of the few um, in the spotlight that doesn't. But I was kind of like, look, I appreciate it. But then I thought, like, shit. So they must. They must do this for a lot of people. That you know. Oh, this isn't this. Our, our, our listeners or our followers weren't exactly like that line. Let's let's take that out. And like, no. <laughs> but yep. But this how, is how I came across you, man. So you did. What is it called? Uh, the silence is deafening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. People, your listeners would know what that is, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that there was that one um, around. Yeah, basically around that. I was, you know, offered offered money to do a pro pro government rant about stay at home and all that. And I, similar to the reason you resigned from your last job, I morally could not could not put out a PSA to tell people to stay at home and not go to work when I was in a a beautiful home with a fridge full of food and and no mortgage. Like I'm like it's so <laughs> hypocritical. Damn, you live in the dream. Fridge full of food. No mortgage. I love it. One hundred percent. These days, that's 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 the elite. These days, um, <laughs> the world's going. If you've got a fridge full of food and no mortgage, you know you're you're nine, you're one percenter at this point with the way the world's going. But um, but that's discernible. I mean, yeah, check it out. I think people people that are familiar with you know that the work you do. I think it's growing rapidly, which is great. We're competing with rogue bogues. Um, so we'll see we'll see who wins the race at the end of the day. But let's move on. I want to I want to start off with one of our first topics. I mean, it's the elephant in the room. 
Um, I'm a Victorian. I've, I'm in and out of the state. I'm in Queensland at the moment, looking like we're going to probably stay in Queensland for the time being with everything going on. But and you're you're a Sydney, you're a Sydney boy that's in Victoria. I mean, it is a massive ele- elephant in the room. Um, you moved from Sydney, albeit at the wrong time. Were you 19, 20 when you moved? No, no, 2019. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry, like 2019, 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you moved definitely at the wrong time. <laughs> you got you got thrown right into the swamp. But um, look, I'm not sure which which part it was of yours, but you mentioned something that kind of I always I've always spoken about. Australia is an anti country, right? Um, we know, we know it is. Um, people gen- genuinely fall in line, or generally fall in line with with government, with directive, with whether it makes sense or not. They'll fall in line, and then you know we've seen it with COVID. Maybe a year or two in, they'll be like, "Hang on a second, this this." Doesn't really make sense. I might might go my own tack, but at the, you know we're a pretty abiding people, right? Um, but Victoria, I think, is another level. And I, I can't remember. You'd have to correct me which podcast it was. You were talking about this, but you were saying how you felt like Victoria seems like another level of nanny state above the rest of the country, and it a hundred percent is. Um, and I've 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 experienced this from being in the car scene, uh, the muscle car scene, and whatnot. And it's a small sample size, but. Um, interactions with police and friends of mine that have nice cars, just constantly hassled and constantly, you know, it's like police are out there just keeping the community safe and then there's going well and above, you know, just just being an annoyance to people. And I think, you know, the interactions I've, I've had with Victoria Police, a good mate of mine's a, a copper actually and he's a very, very nice guy. But for the most part, it's there's a different there's a different kind of presence and personality of Victoria Police and and, and just – I don't know, you, you touched on it and I, I totally, I, I was like listening to it in the car and I'm like, man, that's so, so bang on. And it goes to to everything. It goes to, you know, government officials, it goes to health officials, it goes to why, why is Victoria like that? Why is it, why are they on steroids with the nanny state? Okay, so if you think about people who come back, they they leave Australia for 20 years and they come back or they're immigrant, uh, not, they're like um, lived, raised in the UK and then they come here at, um, at, at 25, 30. They all say to us, wow, you guys are such a nanny state. And having grown up in Australia, both of us, right, we're like, okay, I guess so. But we had to learn that because we just knew this was this is life. Like this is what the government does. This is what the RTA does. This is this is it. Uh, and it takes an outsider to see it. And so I've, I'm an outsider in Victoria. You know, I've, I, I'm from Sydney and- I can see that you know police and government are just a reflection of the people, and in Victoria, that's very much the case. What you've described, the police, and I'd argue a lot more than the police down here, are just a reflection of the culture of, of this state. And you know, the best way to explain it will probably be something that's quite um, simple, that's nothing to do with police, and that is your your everyday. Uh, infrastructure. So if you look at the way trains are done down in Victoria, if you look at the way fire hydrants are done in Victoria compared to Sydney, if you look at the way uh, lines and bus lanes and bus zones, bus stops on the side of the road are built, if you look at the way um, traffic signs, uh, I think just traffic in general, the roads and infrastructures tells you a lot about the difference between Victoria and Sydney. Uh, I find that in, in Victoria, there is a nanny state right down to those very levels right down to you must stand here not there you must drive here not there and people tend to in victoria have been kind of uh herded like sheep into behaving a certain way when authority tells you and it's it's funny because victoria is not angry victoria's one of the reasons we chose to move victoria it's a very loving kind of state like we 
we care about people, we care about the environment. You know, we've got a beautiful uh, geographic location here in Australia, which I think is far superior to the the sauna you're living in in Queensland. But <laughs> they they really are well intentioned. But as we've seen during the COVID two years, that well intentionedness turns into the worst of all of Australia. The worst Karens, the worst. Uh, social prosecutors have been in Melbourne and that's reflected in the police. You know, the police force saying, if you see too many cars outside your neighbor's house, you need to call the police assistance line and report them because of they might be breaking lockdown restrictions. Or when they scream at my kid, my two-year-old and four-year-old on the, on the swing in, in the residential park with no one at the park and a lady, a neighbor, a neighbor, she, she just throws the neighbor relationship out the window and decides to scream at the kid and to myself saying, you're spreading the virus and I'm going to call Victoria police. Uh, that is likely in a state where people have been taught to follow the rules and we need authority structures for people's good, you know, like they, they really believe it in Victoria. They really believe, you know, you've got PR guy 17 at the moment going on about masks. Um, he's a bit of an exception, I guess, but a lot of people here are well-meaning. They're, they're the C.S. Lewis phenomenon. He says that it's better to live under robber barons than moral busybodies because a moral busybody, um, just to summarize this quote real short, he says, look, they, they do it uh, with a sense of a clear conscience that they're, they're persecuting you for your own good so their persecution is without end and i think that's what victoria is i think it's a kinder state and because of that it's a meaner state if that makes sense interesting take yeah i mean look i think i don't think this is an issue that's i think it's arisen during covid on steroids because covid's kind of pushed everything along so quickly but i think this has always been an issue i think it's, it's definitely the gold standard of self-policing. I know Dan Andrews loves to use the gold standard, so we're going to use that language. But like you said, neighbours dominate on neighbours. And I've used this uh, example before. I don't know if I gave it with, on, on, on your podcast or wherever I did, but I reflect back to when I was a child and the water restrictions were on um, and I was – how old was I? 16. It was, it was 99, 2000, somewhere around there. And I remember – you know, my parents, my dad would come home at 5.30 at night. We'd, we'd watch the, you know, the channel, I think it was Channel 7 News and then today, tonight would be on in the background as we're finishing dinner. And it was all about water restrictions. And they, I don't know if you remember, but they put in, at least in Victoria they did, they put in, there was there was times you could water your garden. <laughs> so it was that. Mm. And, and, and you look back now at the COVID restrictions and you're like, how do people follow this so blindly where they don't even question it? There's a start. This was 20, 30 years ago. So it was like you could water your garden from I think it was like 7 to 9 a.m. and 5 to 7 p.m., let's say, right? And I remember my mum, God bless her, like so indoctrinated by the mainstream media was the neighbor's, the neighbor's watering his garden. It's 3.30. I'm, I'm going to call. I'm going to call the police or the council and report them. I said, why? <laughs> why? Number one, why is it bothering you? Number two, What's the difference? Maybe he works night shift. Maybe he leaves home at 5 p.m. And it's your neighbor, right? But, and I'm not saying this as a knock on my mom, but it was my mom thought she was doing the right thing. My mom thought she was like a, a noble citizen by, I'm going gonna, gonna to call the council and report my neighbor for watering his garden outside of times. And we've just been so, it's so normalized. That's normal. No, that's normal here. Like you got to, like you said, you're, you're standing on the wrong part of the footpath. That's a fine. We're going to fine you for that. Or, and that's where I bring up the interactions. I've lived in, in Australia now, I've lived in New South Wales for two or three years. I've lived in Queensland for a year and I've lived in Victoria. Even just interactions with with Vic Pole, 
are different to, to Queensland and to, to New South Wales. It's kind of, I felt like in Queensland or New South Wales, when I've been pulled over for doing the wrong thing or had a talking to by a police officer, it's kind of like, hey, mate, you fucked up. Here's your fine. Like, don't do it again. Pull your head in. Um, you know, kind of that kind of attitude. Whereas like, it's really intimidating in Victoria. <laughs> like even the way they walk up to the car at times, it's like, I'm a, I'm a police officer. You must bow down to me. What do you think you're doing? And you're like, yeah, I made a mistake. Like, can, can we get on with life? And that's very, very noticeable. Um, and, and that's why I brought up that point. And I'm just like, man, it, it really isn't. And then, okay, maybe to your point, the nicest people become then the, the strict, most stringent on rules. I think this has been an issue in Victoria for, for a long, long time. Now, you can argue Queensland, you know, people label bogans, they don't really care, a bit looser. Is that a bad thing? You know what I mean? At times, I, I kind of, you know, I always had that stigma about Queensland until I, I spent a lot of time up here the last year or two. And at least the people, they let you go about your business. They're like, you know you know what, do, do what you got to do. I'm a bit rough around the edges. Good morning. And, and that's kind of the interaction. Um, whereas I just felt I could really notice a difference living in different states in, in Australia. Well, you got to look at the motivation, mate. So if, you know, your water restriction example, if you're uh, – if someone's, if your mum or whoever, sorry to Berg's mum, but if your mum is wanting to dob in someone next door, if she was saying, I want to dob them in because I value our water, we're in the middle of a drought and I don't want her to waste too much water. We all need to be in this together and whatever. I may disagree with that, but I might, I can respect that. She's, she's rationally saying, I don't want you to waste water. So let's follow the restrictions. But I suspect, well, I know that people don't do, that's not what we've been hearing, right? Throughout COVID and, and even 30 years ago, it was not the government said, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And you're doing it at 2.30. The government said you're doing it outside the times. And so they find their morality in an arbitrary law, which we've just discovered governments are full of shit. They, they literally are going back on all of their COVID policies right now. They're rubbish. They're morally bankrupt politicians in this country. So uh, to base your morality as a citizen of any state in this country because they said so, that's what I really have a problem with. You're not thinking, Australia. That and arguing my mum's point, it wouldn't have been, you know, the, the, the what you first said. It would also have been, if, if I can't do it, why should they? That's what it comes down to a lot of times. So the rule could be the dumbest rule in the world, but I follow that rule because it's the government and everyone else should. The, the example I have, other example I have is in Australia is, is people uh, that, that drive in the right lane at 99 kilometers an hour in a 100 zone, right? And you go to other parts of the world and it's a common courtesy that, hey, if the guy behind me or the girl behind me wants to speed, so be it. I'm going to move out of the way. That Maybe they're in a rush. I don't know what they got going on that day. Um, but I'm going to move out of the way. Whether I'm going 100 exactly or 105, I'm going to move out of the way. People here will start to say, well, that's illegal. That's speeding. And, and in Australia, it's the mentality of like, I'm doing 99. I'm just under the speed limit. I'm doing the right thing. They shouldn't speed anyway. And it's like, I get that, but you go to other countries in the world as a common courtesy there. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it comes back to that whole thing of like the citizens police the citizens. That's where we're, where we've become. And it's, it's kind of dystopian at times when you really think it, think about it and break it down. That's a win for the government because the government doesn't have to employ more police or more officials or more parking officers because you got Joe Blow abusing, you know, Jill for, you know, leaving her car in the wrong spot or whatever. And that's that's not a great place, um, a happy place society-wise in my opinion. Yeah, so this is crabs in a bucket, right? Crabs won't climb out of a bucket if there's multiple crabs because the other crabs pull him down. And that's exactly, just to, just to sort of 
sum up what we're saying, right, with Victoria, what it is, the why it's so stringent is because they do, they feel like they're crabs in a bucket, yes, but they feel like they're, they're noble and they're doing it for the right reasons. So let me give you one example of cars, right? I go to buy a secondhand car a few months ago, just like a, a $9,000 um, car, cheap, from, from Dandenong's cheapest cars. Can't believe it. Uh, anyway. Hometown, baby. To there. Yeah, mate. It's, I think it's actually called Dandenong's. Cheapest probably cars is. or something. It's probably not even in Dandenong, knowing because a lot of those businesses have have names that they're no longer in that city. It's, it's pretty cheesy, but anyway. So I buy this car, and I'm having this argument with this guy. This guy's like anti. He's a great guy. He's pretty honest, uh, but he, he's arguing like uh, uh, hates what Daniel Andrews has done. Hates um, the Karen mentality. Doesn't follow any of the lockdown rules. All this kind of stuff, right? And then I said to him, "Okay, this is interesting that you're that type of person. So let me just." See, let me test something. So I said, what's the deal with roadworthy certificates in Victoria? Like I don't understand why it's so expensive for a roadworthy, why the, the seller has to get it and why it takes – It's if it took a day or whatever like in New South Wales, you go and get your green slip. It's e-safety check they call it now, right? It's what, 20 bucks or I, can't, I haven't done one for a while and they do it on the spot. Here the guy goes, oh, it'll take you three to four weeks to get in. I'm like, what? I said, is this COVID? What's the normal delay? He says, no, usually about two weeks. I'm saying, mate, why is why are roadworthy so stringent in Victoria, so expensive and take so long? And it turns out that the Victorian government has decided to make the used – to protect car buyers, used car buyers. They want the um, quality of cars, used cars to be higher. So this dealer who's like all anti-government, right, he's saying to me, no, nah, he loves the regulation in the state because we have the best cars in the nation because our standards are so high on the roadworthies that any kind of red tape is worth it in this case because we have the best cars. And so that's just an example of how someone who's pretty anti-regulation, this guy, can love regulation when he feels like it's for the good. When it suits him, yeah. <laughs> and when it suits his business <laughs> and suits what he's doing. Yeah, good I mean, point. But that, that attitude's everyone, Victoria. Like if we all think we're doing the we're, we're doing the right thing, do the right thing, you know? Oh, the, the amount of people that, well, I would, I would say 100% of people have flattered or cheated COVID restrictions at some point over the last two years, right? But they'll all be, they'll also be the same people that if they're on, on the spot on camera on microphone where they'll, you know, they'll shun someone else for doing it. And you're like, are you telling me you have not... You know what I'm saying? Are you telling me you have not uh, shunned one of these restrictions, been out at 9.01 p.m. or gone 5.5 kilometers? Like, you're kidding yourself. And, and, and everyone's done it. Let's, let's not lie. Everyone, everyone, everyone was flattened. Them inside. It could have been you just forgot to wear your face mask going into a, a servo one day or whatever it was. Everyone's, everyone's broken the rules, but it's more that pompous attitude of like, oh, but I'm still going to police other people for it when I'm doing it right, you know? And um, I mean, one example, a final example of the COVID shenanigans I had was like, I had a mate of mine um, during the the one hour exercise mandate, the uh, <laughs> Victorian government implemented, where you had had one hour of, of outside time, he has a he had, he had the dog pass has recently passed away, but a massive kind of a Malamute dog, right? And he had a, a newborn baby. So simple maths is you can't you can't walk both you can't walk both of them at the same time. He's got a pram, and then and then got that big ass dog that's pulling in the other way. So he's like, you know, it's safer for me to do one at a time. So he walks his, his Malamute, comes back home, puts the dog away, gets the, the pram out, you know, puts a little little one in. Neighbor comes out and goes, you've already had your walk today. And he's like, 
Are you fucking serious? Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've like, had your walk. To, your, you've had your walk today. You, you've had your walk. What the? Exactly. And, and he's like, yeah, but I've got to, I've got to, he's, he's, he goes, I was starting to explain myself to her. And then I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, he, he caught himself like, why am I even explaining myself to my neighbor that I've got a big dog and, and I didn't want my baby, I didn't want the pram to, you know, get pulled this way and whatever. And he's like, no. He's like, and just, just kept walking. But that, that goes to my point. It was just like, there was people looking out their windows because the government told him to about, you know, timing people's walks. Like, I'm oh, mate, 61 minutes, you better get back inside, you know. And um, just just a small example of how it was. And look, it's not just Victoria. Um, that There were other people in other states that were kind of that hardcore that were scared into doing that. But I think Victoria, you know, I was stuck down in the last lockdown and it was it was brutal, man. It was um, – that was when, the, you know, the, the tape was around, the playgrounds. I remember my son asking, like, why is that is that playground broken, Daddy? And I'm just like – Man, like, how do I explain this to a kid? Like, we've done. My wife was a genius with this. Uh, I got to give her credit. Um, at the start of all this, she was like, "We're not, we're not using the word COVID. We're not using the word mask. We're not none of that around the kids." So that they have no idea that there's <laughs> even a coronavirus, which is has been pretty hard to do. Like, because all the kids talk about it. You know, it's been spoken about at school. He just one of them started school this year in prep. But we we did a pretty good job of they they had no idea like and, and they'd ask like why you know why why are all these people wearing masks ah who knows you know it's fashion something like that you know we we, we just didn't want to discuss it with them because we don't we don't want to instill that fear into them like you know they're, they're three five years old like go and get dirty go fall off a trampoline you know scuff your elbow up your knees like I'm kind of that mentality and. I saw a lot of friends and family that were the opposite, you know, and um, it's it's their decision, of course, but it's it's hard to see. It's more than it's, look. It's no more than parenting styles, mate. I, I know you want to talk about this later, but it's for a state, Victoria, that is so anti-religious, like secularism rules the day. We're going to pass a bunch of anti, what do they call it? Um, I can't remember the laws against Christians doing something. Some yeah, LGBT. conversion, the conversion bills. That's right, yeah, anti. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're going to stand up for LGBTIQ community. We're going to build centres, blah, blah, blah. Mate, this is the most religious state I've ever seen. It's just that they don't call it religion. It's this uh, uh, this kind of unthinking, irrational dedication to certain things. In Right now it's the science, but, you know, before it was something else. This place, whereas you just said it, like Queensland, they're not particularly zealous. They're like, yeah, I'll get on with my life. 100%. I mean, we can get into that. I mean, I want to, I want, definitely wanted to touch on, uh, I'll round this out, but yeah, the religion things, it's, it's spot on. It's it's so blatant that people are, are worshipping um, politicians and health chief health officers and whatnot. I mean, they had they had Brett Sutton on pillows, mate, that they were selling and, and t shirts. You know, at one point, you, <laughs> I know, didn't like, know that. You, you didn't know that? Yeah, they had they had actually had him, him embroidered I on know pillows. Fauci He's, had that. Oh, okay. they, they had it here too. I saw I saw it. I think it was late uh, late twenty. Um, they're worshiping the, these people as gods. The same way people like they these same people will laugh and not. Oh, your god's not real. This that. You're literally bowing down to a politician, and it just it just boggles my mind. And the, you you can't really explain the hypocrisy um, of it to, to people. But we'll round out round out the rest of this. I mean, I guess you followed TAC the last the last couple of weeks. Um, mask recommendations are no longer mandates, Matt. They are they are uh, <laughs> encouraged. Um, we have no, no, no. the Victorian government has rejected. The health advice of the chief health officer. They have. What's the deal there? They've just finally come to their senses, have they, Matt? Is, is that what it is or is there something looming in November that we should know about? Uh, I don't know what's going on in November. Look, I've got to defer to Voice for Victoria who's been calling this out 
the entire way. Uh, an account on Instagram dedicated to putting the rubbish of Victoria out there. Uh, look, they've never been following the science. They've never been, never been following science. It's all been political. We've all known it. But now, finally, even the most ardent people who have been saying, yes, it's a science, have to admit it's not. Because those people now, like Professor Karen Phelps in uh, New South Wales, I think she lives, uh, she was the head of the AMA for a while. Uh, she's now saying, hey, Albo, I see you're getting your 15th booster. Great. But where is your N95 mask? And- <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Mate, I saw that. What? They're yeah. turning on themselves. They're eating themselves. And look, but th- they have to admit, come on, there's something wrong here because it was all about we can't show you the health advice why we close playgrounds, but the chief health officer thinks it's it's the right thing to do. So they close One playgrounds. case for one case, remember? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And now- now, and then three days later or whatever, five, 10 days later after all, we all kicked up a stink, it's like, oh, no, we think it's okay. And so they opened the playgrounds, all right? Okay, so science change. And now they're saying we're rejecting the chief health officer's advice because businesses are complaining. So, look, it's just to if, – if you're still saying governments are only doing this for your – for your good and they're only following the best advice that they receive, you're lying to yourself, mate. I 100% agree. And that's that's the challenge I have with trying to – you know, when you have these debates with people that, you know, people that are all in for mask mandates and vax mandates and all this kind of stuff and I'm kind of the opposite where I'm kind of like, no, I think if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, I think we should get on with life. Is trying to just get them to see that light of just like, hang on a second now. Like, do you, do you now, can you now at least admit that this is political more than it is anything to do with health? And people are starting to get in the middle of like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I do. And, and I guess there's a hashtag out there. I stood with Dan, which I was alerted to yesterday. It's a lot of people losing their shit now at Dan that were all in on, on, the, on the extreme mandates right. that he's not pushing anymore and now, now turning on him as well. What's saying they want the mandates to return? Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that were all in for the last, the handling of, of the Victorian government was, was perfect. It was for our health. Now that there's, how many cases is there? 10, 15,000 cases, whatever yep. there is a day or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, there's, there's new variants and now there's no, there's no mandate. It's just recommendations. Now those ardent all-in cultists are losing their shit saying, I stood with Dan no longer. That's the new, the new hashtag is I stood with Dan. What the hell's going on? Why isn't he protecting me anymore? <laughs> it's just like, you, 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 yeah. you couldn't write it in a Hollywood script. Um, and it's, I mean, my messaging for people out there is do, do what you got to do. If, if you feel like you need the protection of a mask, I've got no problem if you wear it. Um, you know, social distance, do it. it's your decision. That's what I've been pushing from day one. I, I think as soon as a government implements this kind of stuff, but like we've said with this, this, this I guess this topic is long-winded, is you stand over there. It's, we're doing this for your safety. We're protecting you from you. And and that's kind of what I feel is, is is kind of the underlying factor in Victoria is it was so over legislated everything's so OHNS is we're protecting you from you because you're too stupid to protect yourself and we've gone too far in that in that hole now it's 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 hard for us to climb out. You, you've summed it up nicely, mate. When you say you're too stupid to protect yourselves, we'll do it for you. Hey, just to just to close off this bit, if you I think we just can't forget. I think you all need to go check out this Instagram account. I don't know who runs it, but it's called The Broken Victoria. Oh, I've got it on my list, man. I've got it on my list. Yep. It is Yeah, man. Good oh, good account. It is it is a sensational account. I'll give people some examples. I've got it uploaded here. You you read my mind. You don't even have that on the run sheet, but um the exact one is the broken Victorian on Instagram. These are some of the gems. Okay. 
what so they basically just have slides that just have text. That's it. Nothing else. They are. <laughs> they do. I've reposted a bunch of them on my Insta, and I've got people saying, "Man, you're bringing out some PTSD in me, man. <laughs> Stop it." You know. So um, here we go. Remember when you could go shopping at Bunnings, but you couldn't go to church? That was from Helena. <laughs> yeah. I remember my husband being pulled over by the police for breaking curfew when we drove to hospital for my new baby girl, baby girl's birth. Thank God I was in the middle of a, of a contraction or we would have been detained or fined. That was from OT. Uh, remember when Dan Andrews claimed that lockdown rule, lockdowns and rules were based on science but refused to release the science? That was from Richard. Remember when I got fired from my full-time, full-time work from being home IT job for not being fully vaccinated because of safety. That was from Philip. But the list goes on. These are absolute gems. Um, glad you shouted that out because if I was if I was the opposition, I would I would just post this all day. <laughs> like it can't can't be any worse than what they're currently doing. Don't don't get me started on the opposition in Victoria. But if I was an opposing party, this is this is this is all you need. This is all you need to, to bring up that PTSD in people like, oh, oh shit, if I vote for this guy, this, these slides are this – is, this is exactly what happened over the last 18 months. I would, I would just be posting this nonstop, but great page. Now, I really like the short ones, like uh, from Richard. Remember when lockdowns worked so well that we had eight? <laughs> Here's another one. Remember when Dan Andrews banned helicopters from recording protests? That was from Frank. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I urge everyone to go on if you don't want PTSD – uh, don't go on, but it, they, they have some gems. And, and when you when you look back at reading these slides from start to finish, he's got a hundred. There's 149 posts. There's not too many. You wouldn't believe this. This you're like, no, nah, that can't be right. That can't. If, if these slides were done in 2018, you're like, this is what a government oh, yeah. did. People would be like, no. Even even looking back now, I read some of these and I'm like, holy shit, they really did that. I actually forgot about some yep. of them. And you're just like, yep. that's that's how how much of a bubble we were in, how dystopian times were. So a very, very good reminder of of uh, what, what what has happened. It's somewhat a, a nice little scrapbook for, for Dan Andrews' legacy. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I love these. Sorry, sorry, I, I was a bit distracted because I'm reading them no, now. They're so amazing. If you got any, read them when out. they say, remember when you needed paperwork to leave your house before 6 a.m.? And I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> we did. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, I, I needed some shoes at the time that my shoes were dying. And this one says, remember when we were locked out of retail and clothes were not considered essential? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And uh, in New South Wales, there was that guy who um, uh, in the media, the police were saying, if you're buying shoes, that's not essential and we, would, we might have to check your bags. Oh, no, yeah, they, were checking, they, were checking, uh, they were checking people's bags out of uh, Kmart Target and foot, uh, like Foot Locker and all that and checking what you were buying and then saying, why do you need a new pair of shoes? Do, uh, are these essential? Yeah. If you, so if you had that's a fresh right. pair of shoes on- a nice pair of shoes, buying another pair of shoes, you win some shit. You have to scuff them up a little bit. Like, oh, look, they're, they're, bra they're breaking. They're breaking. Um, the paperwork to leave home was hilarious. So I go to one of my friend's uh, cafes. I get there and it was like, I usually get there after the rush hour, after nine o'clock, sometimes just get a coffee because I know he's not busy then. And um, he's filling in paperwork. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm signing my uh, my paperwork so I can I can go I can go you know I can leave home. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why are you doing? He goes, I'm the boss of the cafe, so he's filling in his own paperwork, <laughs> saying yeah. Yeah. I've given ex I've got an exemption to be because he's basically 24 hours because he has to get to the cafe early and prep and get all the all the produce and all that kind of stuff. But he's writing his own. That's how stupid it was. He's writing his own paperwork and signing it as the owner of the business for himself <laughs> to, to, to travel to and from the cafe out of hours. He's just like, oh, where the hell are we living? Uh, what about the other beauties that came up back, back then? Was the um, the hotel quarantine? The remember when the door opened and they thought that the wind from the door pushed the virus from oh, one room to another? Right. 
There was that. Wasn't there Nebulizer, man? The Nebulizer was the other one I was getting to, yep. So just, just think about how stupid this all sounds, people. Like how stupid this all sounds. That These were actual excuses that the delivery, delivery truck driver that came from Queensland, remember him? All over the news. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. He, he just, did a whole lockdown. He blamed it on the removalists. The removalists, yeah. Yeah, the, deliver, yeah, the removalist drivers that came up from up north somewhere, or maybe New South Wales, it could be wrong, but they came up from north somewhere. Whole lockdown based on them. These poor, poor guys' faces were all over. People were abusing them. They're on a current affair and news programs. Like, just despicable stuff. Like, just as humanity itself, you're just like, how are we doing this? Like, and, and now we're at, at 15,000 cases and no one, no one blinks an eyelid to an extent, right? Are, are we turning around off this podcast as we just go on about how bad Victoria is? Oh, it's good. It's good to relive. Let's move on. All right, sport. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the sport and politics, which will somewhat get to Victoria again. But the, the, there is for people out there, there is a direct correlation between sport and politics, and, and we see it probably with with major corporations as well throughout this pandemic, specifically in Victoria. Um, they ha- people wonder why there were a lot of these athletes pushing these messages. A lot of sporting clubs they have to. They have to people. So um, the AFL and the Gov are so embedded with each other, um, especially financially. The AFL relies on on the government, especially in Victoria, for a lot of their funding. Think stadiums, think X Y Z, think sporting facilities. Remember, they're tax exempt if they if they spend their their profits. Um, I don't know if you know this, but if they if they spend their profits basically on their on their facilities and and blah blah blah. They get to keep that that, that they, don't, they don't pay tax on those profits, right? Um, oh no way! Yeah, so oh yeah, oh yeah, like a normal business, you just spend. Yeah, you pay you pay tax on profits, is it not revenue? Exactly, but they yeah, but essentially yes. But they <laughs> that's why every coach has the newest laptop every three months and an iPad, and they've got every bit of GPS data. So they just they're just constantly they basically don't they don't they don't essentially pay tax in Victoria, right? Um, and the government tries to incentivize them, you know, building new facilities and all that kind of stuff. That's why AFL clubs will build a new facility every six years. You know what I mean? Because they just got profits. Like, holy shit, what do we do with this? We need to get rid of this. Let's just spend it and let's just build a new facility. Do you need a new facility? You just built one six years ago. But that's why. But that's why uh, I guess my, my point with all this was it intersects directly. And we saw that with the AFL and the NRL. The AFL got tips on, on lockdowns. Um, I don't know if you remember that. So two, two or three days before a major lockdown, they yes. were on a, on a flight out to Queensland. A similar thing was happening with the NRL in, in Sydney. And these there were, there were a lot of people that were like, I idolize these athletes. Why are they not why are they not fighting for me? Why are they not, you know, calling out the BS? Why are the actual uh, clubs or the league not 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 we're the little guy that supports them. We pay the fifty dollars and, and pay the ticket. They couldn't because the government's like, hey, we're doing the, we're doing you these favors, you guys are gonna somewhat function unencumbered to, to to perform. And the kicker with all this, Matt, is sport needed to go on. It had to go on. Can you imagine if sport stopped, what would have happened with all these restrictions? I mean, I, I, I think it would have been as close to a revolution in Australia as you can get because I really believe that a lot of the Australian mentality and culture is if I've got a beer full of fridge and I can watch my footy team on the weekend, all is all right in the world. And that's not, you know, it's not not 100% of the people but it's it's a it's a pretty decent size percentage of people and i think i think the government to an extent knew we, we need sport to go on because you could already when there were kind of game cancellations and that it was it was getting a bit more testy out there things were getting a bit more kind of aggro i really think there's a correlation there i don't know what your thoughts are if i uh 
what are, okay, so there's, there's a show I do called The People's Project, which is designed to be a better version of Channel 10's rubbish show, right? And in last week's episode, we talked about sport. We People kind of make fun of what you just talked about. Oh, Aussies and their beer and sport. If you shut down bottle shops and sport, then there'd be riots. And I had Tom McDonald on from Melbourne Football Club, and we're talking about uh, the psychological benefits of sport. Psychologists have long said that it's a good outlet because we see correlation between rolling out sporting gang areas in the US and then lowered gang crime and so on. So they've investigated this and they find that sport is not just some kind of fun thing to do, but it's actually an outlet for a natural human uh, uh, need to express conflict and war. So when you see the tribalism of patriotism and nationalism in wartime, you see the similar thing in sports, right? When someone's fighting, your team wins, you got you got a whole bunch of psychological phenomenon going on around sport that looks similar to conflict. But the thing about sport is it's without the devastation of real fighting, real conflict and real war, uh, unless you're in South America and your, your soccer team and screws up or something. <laughs> like that, <right>? But... <laughs> But generally speaking, sport is a safe outlet for not just aggression, for little boys to get their aggression out. No, no, no. It's actually a human um, need to have tribalism, teams, battles. And so I'm I'm with the politicians on this. Like you, you have to prioritise sport. I think they should be consistent and let us all out. But I understand why they prioritise sport because, yes, if you, if you cancelled sport and alcohol in this country, then everyone would have rioted and for very strong sociological and biological reasons. Yeah, I, I agree. Sport has to go on for those reasons. My point was the, the hypocrisy of, you know, you weren't letting people go to work. Like a guy that works, has a gym's mowing franchise that mows five acres of lawn, couldn't go to work because of the virus. Yet we had a plane full of AFL players. And this is not knocking players. I mean, if I was a player at the time and, and you were allowed to play, so be it. Is they could get on a plane, fly into state, stay in another hotel, go to a stadium, be in touch with be in contact with another team of football players, um, umpires, officials, you know, all that kind of stuff, and and some would be unencumbered because of a big bad virus that has shut the world world down. That's more my point um, as to why why they were allowed to go on. I, I agree. I think sport needs to go on. I think it's. I mean, for me, who you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, who knows what I would have been doing without sport? It, it definitely it gave me an outlet for all the things that sucked in my life at the time. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't the greatest student. I wasn't the worst. I was kind of always a, a, a BC average guy. Like I wasn't, I just didn't really apply myself too much to school. I applied it to sport and I agree with you. You need that. And, and that's why junior sport's very important as well. But it was more the, the hypocrisy of it and and touching on into in, in, even corporations. We now, you know, people wonder why, you know, you go on to mandates and the vaccine mandates. Why did Quant- why does Qantas still have their vaccine mandate, which they're going to scrap? Dropped it. They dropped it. Yeah. today, right? Is it or the, I think oh, it was this week? Sometime now. But to my point, it was it was scrapped a while ago by by the by the by the feds and and whatever, right? Mm. Why did they keep it on? And then you look at how much government funding they've got over the last three or four years from 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 ScoMo and whatnot. So co- companies that are are very in tune with government that need government funding. That need government ins for could even be something as simple as a building company that's building all the government projects. The government can say you need to mandate all your employees. You have to do it because we're giving you these government contracts. They have to do it. So when, when people think, why is this company doing that? Doesn't make sense. An outdoor building site to mandate like or Qantas like when the rest of the when the country every other airline doesn't have it. That's why because you you can bet your bottom dollar the government said 
here's some more money. I know you're struggling, Qantas, but we want you to push these these kind of directives that our government likes. And it's tit for tat, and that's the, that's the harsh reality. It's not necessarily always for your health or always for your the betterment of of of, of the old uh, person flying on Qantas. It's you know the government's told us to do this. We got to do it. Yeah, as a gold card carrying uh, Qantas frequent flyer member, screw you, Joyce. You treat your staff like rubbish. You just you just take these big handouts from the government, and they didn't even take any equity in Qantas. The government just bailed. Mind blowing. How did they not take equity? How did how did they not nationalize the airline? I don't know how many billions they got out of the government. That's disgusting. And then he treats staff and he treats his fair-paying customers like rubbish. What a stupid little leprechaun. I hate him. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I was a huge fan of Qantas. I worked with them um, in a sponsorship capacity many, many years ago. Enjoyed it. I've, I've seen the decline of Qantas and I hope it gets back to where it was. But it's – how about blaming the customers? <laughs> Once lockdowns yeah. lift, that was all time. He's like, customers aren't used to taking their laptops out of their bags and, and making it a – a speedy, efficient process through security. That's why it's delayed. And it's like, I went through the Sydney airport at that time and it was a shit show. It was nothing yeah. to do with customers. It was, you had no staff. You had absolutely no staff and everyone had left people that you'd mandated and got other jobs. And you're like, oh, hang on a second. We might need some of these people that are doing the hard yards, moving people's luggage around. Um, and that, where are we going to get them from? You know, so I agree. But it's just, just a point for me was, you know, you go from sport to government and government and government to corporations and people think why, 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 why are they so quiet? They somewhat have to be. And I don't I don't knock athletes that have kind of kept quiet with this because knowing the pushback that I've received for, for speaking out, if I wasn't yeah. the problem in my career and, and it really affected yeah. things, would I have been this voicing the same thing? Who knows? I can't be a hypocrite and say if, if I was a first-year NBA player, and I had to toe the line. I mean, I can't probably argue with saying that I probably would have, right? Because my livelihood was at stake. I was in a, I was in a very unique, fortunate position where I didn't have to have to pick and choose. And I was, I, f- I felt like I was very lucky to be in that position. And that's why I voiced my opinion even more because I was like, it, it, you know, there's only so much I can do to me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty set financially, pretty set work wise. I don't need your your dollar, so I can voice my concerns. But I felt so bad. I had so many players. Not only in the NBA, NBL players, AFL players, NRL players, messaging me like, "Can you help me, man? Like, you know, I don't agree with the mandates. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. What can I?" And and eventually they just came, and it was you know hard stories to hear because um, I know a lot of those guys in their soul didn't feel good about it, but they you know it was either that or I'm going to be able to feed my kids and and put food on the table, right? This is why we have to make sure that we as a community look after those who did lose it all or risk it all. People like Crystal Mitchell, that cop who quit, a lot of people don't agree with her or her current political views. That's fine. But she's one of those rare people who didn't have a a fridge full of food and what was the other thing? And mortgage-free like yourself. She actually lost a job and is finding it extremely difficult now to get a job. And so I think we just need to um, look after those people. But, you know, to talk about what what you're talking about, influences and and people – that you've have said to you, oh, I don't agree with it, but I had to because of work. I get that. But what about the people who actually uh, are, are fooling themselves? So let's talk about Hamish and Andy, right? Two two legends of comedy. Uh, my staff member contacts Andy Lee on the back of your um, the science is deafening, and he says, "Hey, Andy, how much were you paid to push this? This is our shot ad he did for Channel Nine." He gets into this big public fight with Andy Lee. Uh, of Hamish and Andy over how he was paid nothing. You're you're a conspiracy theorist just saying um, we're being paid, but I can tell you we're paying nothing. 
he's literally paid by Channel 9. His next contract is signed by Channel 9. His previous contract is by Channel 9. Channel 9 comes around and says, hey, mate, need you to do uh, do us a solid and help the community and uh, do this campaign over here, um, our shot for the shot or whatever it was. Uh Mate, he's not even aware of the huge pressure <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, around. Like he's he he's so self righteous in the way he's shooting down my staff member. Is my point. So I think some people are a little bit uh, blind to their own blindness. Yeah, I I hundred percent t- agree, and I've I've seen that firsthand, and I've seen it behind the scenes, you know. And that's the, that's the tough one is trying to get those people out of, out of the malaise. And I know there were, you know, like I said, uh, people that. That didn't voice their concerns, and and because I was scared about losing their jobs, one thing it was the people that went above and beyond that of like, yeah, the government's always right. You plebs need to do this, and it's just like, well, you're you're flying private, or you're eating caviar, or you're, you know, you have you have a nice whether well, you're an athlete and they've they've chartered a jet where you're not with regular people. Yeah, you can your life's still okay. Like you need to understand that you know if, if you're especially if you're a labourer, it was like. <laughs> What are they going to do? What are they going to labor from Zoom? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like my father, like mechanic, carburetor specialist, like, well, he's going to build carburetors for for customers via Zoom. You know what I mean? Like, it just, and I just felt like it was so hypocritical. Oh, it's not that hard. Stay home. It's like, well, people have mortgages, people have kids to feed, people have school fees, people have all these kinds of things. And yeah, the government can throw a shitload of cash at it, but for how long? And now, now we're seeing the tail end of, of, of what that's done is inflation's out of the arse, a dollar's not worth a dollar. And then on top of that, you know, the RBA said it's a good time to lift rates because we've got to stem inflation. So who gets affected again? It's the poor. It's the people that are that are that are struggling day to day. Now that's on steroids again. And then now that, you know, with all that become comes a depression, comes suicide, comes anxiety, comes crime. Um, but no one, no one was really talking about that. I, I, I spoke about this from the start. I'm not an expert by any means, but I, you know, I was like the effect the lockdowns are having on kids and school. Go to school a week, then you're out four weeks. Go to school a week, then you're out four weeks. Oh, let's do Zoom for six months. Oh no, you can go now, or you can't go. And I saw it with my nephew. Like as soon as he heard the word lockdown, couldn't go to school. The, the, the kid wouldn't eat for you know days, if not weeks. You know, and it's. I know that wasn't the only child or the only family dealing with that. There was a lot of people reaching out that the kids were just, you know, non-respondent at times or just like, I don't want to go outside. Even when lockdowns ended, they didn't want to go outside, you know? Um, so I don't know we're back on the lockdown stuff, but it's it needs to be discussed. And I think I think the reason for this podcast and these discussions is so it doesn't happen again. So we don't allow our government officials and chief health officers to do these kind of things again to, to the people. Yeah, okay. Just a quick shout out of love for you, mate. Uh, it's... You didn't have to speak out on various issues, but you did. So thank you for doing that. I think a lot of people respect you and listen to you, um, are listening because you uh, have stood up for the little man, the little woman. That sounds terrible. The uh, the, the <laughs> working class, you know, the people who are most affected, little or big. Uh, you know, you've you've stood up for them when you didn't have to. So thank you. Appreciate it. And I, I, I cop flack because the. The old adage or the old quote is from most people, ah, oh, millionaire sitting in his mansion just throwing shots at the government. And I'm like, that's the exact reason why I should be quiet. They've actually proven my point. I should be quiet by definition because I've got my money. I've got like a fridge full of food. Kids are happy. Wife's happy. Um, I can, you know, do whatever I want to do. I can, I can go on a flight or wherever I want, whenever I want for a holiday. I should be quiet and just live my life. But I, I, like, I was affected greatly by because I just always relayed, like, if I was, 10, 11, 12, and this happened to my father and our family, we'd be fucked. Like, 
there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like that government money wouldn't have really helped. It would have just kind of stemmed the bleeding for a little bit till that wound opened up again. We'd be screwed. Like who's getting their car service during a lockdown when you can't even drive outside your house further than five kilometers? Um, so I looked at that and I was like, wow. My father was already, you know, highly strung at times, running his own business, so at times stressed. So then you factor that in with now being inside an enclosed space in a home for 24 hours a day, mum, dad, sister, that can't be good neither for families. We talk about domestic violence and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that would have happened, but you never know. Um, so that's that was why I spoke about it. It wasn't so much as, you know, oh, get some cloud or get people like, I was like, no, like this is, this is wrong. And, and it's more for the kids, like adults, adults, I think it's very hard to change grown adults, um, grown men and women, I think. But if we can help change our kids' paths and journeys, that's kind of why I speak out. But um, appreciate that. PR guy unmasked. Let's get on that real quickly. I've had some interactions. PR guys come after me numerous times, so be it, whatever. Um, we've had some back and forths and um, he has his right to do so. I've got no, no problem with that. I like some of the points you made not long ago. Um, you didn't support the unmasking, even though no you, don't, you don't really like um, PR guy 17, neither do I. Nope. And I tend to agree with you. Um, the only only kicker I have is I only support knowing if our taxes are paying for it, I think that's the slippery slope. If our taxes are paying for that account to be ran and all the tweets, that's where I kind of draw the line. I think that should be noted. But look, the non-debate on socials, it's a slippery slope because I see some people say, oh, well, you know, abuse shouldn't be tolerated. But then I also see that this is an in for the government now to you know, be able to get into like the way RV legally, um, whether you like him or hate him, he legally got the details, which I think is a huge concern. And just to finish this off, I made a similar point about the protesters, uh, the lockdown protesters being slapped down by Vic Pohl. And there were there were a lot of people cheering on what Vic Pohl did, saying, oh, those dirty lockdown protesters, they're, they're prolonging the virus, they're, they're putting us all in danger. And I made a point of saying, like the precedence is now being set for you people that just one day, one day in the future, you're going to be supporting something that you're not going to be supporting something the government's got and you might want to protest. And the precedent is now being set. You can be shot with rubber bullets. And I was trying to explain to people like, this is not right based on that. Not based on whether I agree with the lockdown protesters or not. It's bad because it's going to come full circle and eventually bite you in the ass. Let's say a different government's in power in 10 years and then you go protest something green or something left or whatever, you get shot by rubber bullets. The precedent's been set. It was okay back then. And this is a similar thing with PR guy, our mask. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Look, I'll keep it brief. I think everyone's sick of this topic. But my problem's not with Arvin. My problem's with the government and using the, use the way, just like what you've said, the same standard you apply now to your enemies will be, you know, you're fashioning a rod for your own back. It'll be applied to you later on. And if you look at the broad history of defamation laws in Australia and you look at the broad history of government um, digital identities and surveillance and the attack on anonymity online, this is long before Rebel News came on the scene or RV joined Rebel News. This is long before PR Guy created a Twitter account. They've been attacking it forever. In the UK, um, we'll be reporting on this this week with our um show the people's project that they're doing it in the uk right now they've been doing it in the us uh you look at assange you look at snowden you look at the the um identify and disrupt bill here in australia which laws now which has passed uh, it's just a, a long history of governments trying to unmask citizens so yes in this case you want to argue defamation blah 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 whatever my point is bigger than that my point is more than this case my point is we have to be careful with allowing the elites and the powerful in Australia to continue going down the path of removing um, our 
ability to fight back against them. And one of those very powerful, important ways is anonymity online. Um, and most importantly, we need to fight back against it because most of the population will probably support these um, anti-democratic and anti-freedom initiatives pushed by government because they're pushed in the name of safety. So the anti-bullying bill is all about, both in Victoria and federally, it's about um, protecting people online. This is how ScoMo couched it. This is how Fiona Patton in Victoria um, it describes these kinds of authoritarian bills. It's to say, it's to protect you. And I'm just saying, be careful. That's all. Okay. And PR guy, I've invited him on. I, the first time I ever saw him uh, was uh, in that interview with Geordie's and I, I found him quite an, a reasonable guy in that interview. And so I, I'd be happy to talk to him. Yeah. Makes two of us. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those things that's, that's disappointing. I think um, that they can, I guess the masses that aren't that in tune to, to reading a lot every day, they might get, you know, 10 minutes with their coffee and because they work long hours, they come home, they get 10 minutes. They, they see this as, as, as a good thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's safety. Well, well, social media, for instance, they have, they have protocols in place to, to stop that kind of abuse. You can, you can ban certain words being sent to you. You can um, block people. You can mute people, whatever, right? And it comes down to, again, we're going to protect you because you're too silly to protect yourself. And and the problem with these laws is they, they then go over the line and they can be used in other capacities. And that's what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a very, very slippery slope of of granting government access to, to social media accounts. Well, they can they can also, has that, has that law been passed so they can actually access your social media account and, and, and the identify Yeah, the Identify and Disrupt Bill, I chatted to Greg Barnes, SC, about the barrister about this. He's been fighting. He's like a a lefty guy, pretty much. He's been fighting on the Assange since 2001, since the Patriot Act. He um, explained the Identify and Disrupt Bill uh, uh, that enables them to masquerade as you by infiltrating your accounts so they can go to a social media company and say, give us control over this account. I mean, there's checks and balances along the way, but come on, we've seen how that kind of fails in various government departments. So yes, it's very uh, dystopian, the reality that we're moving towards. And if we're all just busy arguing about who do you stand for, PR guy 17 or Avi who stood up for us during protests, well, you've missed the point, mate. There's something bigger going on. Yeah, exactly. What's going on through the back door? And on top of all that, Avi did get an apology from Victoria Police over the last couple of days, which was... Interesting in itself, the fact that they've put that on paper because I would assume now he has something to go to the courts with. Yeah, look, I get slammed for standing with PR guy when he was fighting with Avi, and they're like, why do you hate Avi? And now I'm congratulating Avi, saying he's he's um, braver than me to do his – even if I don't agree with his style, he's braver than me. I couldn't do what he does. And now everyone's screaming at me for um, supporting a cooker, they call him, called Avi. I'm like, I just can't <laughs> win. And I'm just trying to stand on principle. If you've got both sides mad, yeah, you're doing it right. That's my opinion. I've had, you know, I've, I've had, obviously had the left go after me numerous times. I've had the right go after me numerous times and I, I feel like I'm winning. If I've got both fringes of politics or extremes on both sides hating me, I think it's a very principled approach and it means it's it's common sense and it means you're, you're actually given your opinion, not the party line. Um, for the people out there that are all on one side, given the party line, I think lost causes for the most part. All right, moving on. Australia, three flags, one nation, Matt. Um, Mate. I've got, this story is insane. It, it, I can't it is, believe it. It is mind-boggling. Now I'm going to put a – I've got nothing against the Torres Strait Islander flag or the Aboriginal flag, Indigenous flag. Um, I guess my point is, is there any other countries in the world that have three flags flying? 
All right, can I look? Pick, I'll give you a, a rundown of what actually happened. Right, so I've been. This is Sydney. This is my Harbour Bridge. This is where I grew up, and I'm very sad to see this. Okay, everyone. There's a there's a Aboriginal lady called Cherie Toka, right? Cherie or Tree. Cherie uh, launched a flag campaign. Right, this is like five years ago, and she wanted to have the Aboriginal flag on the uh, on the bridge. Fine. Fine, right? And she said, you can't put a price on equality. Well, I'm sorry, Jerry, you can. In this case, it's $25 million for a flag. So she, um, her, her petition, she got 177,000 signatures uh, to put this flag on the bridge. The government says, yeah, okay, we'll do it. It doesn't, ma- by the way, it doesn't matter if you get 300,000 signatures against vaccine passports, nobody cares. But you get 177,000 for Aboriginal flag on the bridge, they'll jump to your tune. So um, she gets these signatures. The government says, yep, we'll put a flag on the bridge. They get quotes. This is the interesting part of the story. They get multiple quotes and they end up announcing that they're going to install a third flagpole for $25 million. This is on the 19th of June, 2022. And they say it's part of a $401 million investment in the Closing the Gap initiative in the New South Wales budget. So 5% of the total budget of Closing the Gap uh, initiatives is spent on this single flagpole for $25 million. Does that sound like good value for money to you? Oh, mate, a bit of a bit of scotch tape would have got the job done, I reckon. Um, geez, that's, yeah. Is it, so some of the money's gone just to the rights then? Is that is that what I'm missing or is it strictly for the, no, for the board? Of- that no, one's, no one's talked about rights. They've just talked about how difficult it is with a moving traffic underway <laughs> underneath and safety <laughs> and so on. So fair, fair enough, right? Maybe. So within 24 oh. hours, uh, the the New South Wales government, Perite, he, he, he's at a press conference, right? And they said, why is it $25 million? He says, I don't know, but I'm told that they these things cost that much. Unbelievable. Then he he senses the backlash, and within twenty four hours, he's now saying, "Oh, quickly, everyone in his department, in the whatever department was, you need to conduct a review into the cost of this twenty five million dollar announcement that we've already made to find out if we're getting value for money." So he's doing things in reverse, right? It then comes out that the government did receive multiple quotes and some quotes came after the announcement, some were before. One of the ones before was Poseidon Poles. So Poseidon Poles and Flags. Poseidon Poles and Flags have revealed to the Daily Telegraph that it had sent the government a much lower figure than the $25 million for a poll that they quoted. The Sydney Northern Beaches-based company said it would be less than 650000 oh to replace three poles. Uh, it also estimated the cost to replace each poll would be between one hundred and seventy-five and two hundred thousand dollars. There's another company called Gold Spa, were also uh, in the media saying they were shocked by the government's estimation, suggesting it would cost between thirty thousand and forty thousand dollars for a regular twenty-meter poll to be installed. So for some reason, and I'm sure Michael West or some other journalist will undercover some kind of corruption because that's what politicians are good at on all sides, why they chose this $25 million deal. But in the end, they've decided, no, 
we're not going to install the poll after all. They've flipped on their reasoning and they've said, uh, we are now going to remove the New South Wales flag from the bridge. So at the moment, there's an Australian flag and a New South Wales flag. They're going to remove the New South Wales flag. So screw you. And they're going to put up the Aboriginal flag on that secondary poll, thus obviating the need to install a poll at all. And they've also, just to calm down the Twitter lefties, they've increased the $401 million investment in the Closing the Gap initiative to $716 million. Sounds like a good deal if you can get it. Oh, mate, I'm just so over the way the the Liberals um, stand for nothing. They just, they get 177,000 signatures on a thing and they just do whatever it says and then they just rip down the other flag, put up the other flag, double the money they're giving to closing the gap. They just really transparently like, Weak, you know. Whereas Labor, you've got to respect Daniel Andrews and Palaszczuk and Mark McGowan. They have balls, man. They will stand up and say, "You're a bunch of bigots. How dare you? We're doing this." And the Liberals will attack them, and the and the and the Labor Party will say, "Screw you. We're we're doing the right thing. Screw you. Screw you." So they stand. The Liberals fold every time like a cheap suit. Yeah, I agree with that totally. I think um, Labor plays politics much better. Uh, they're stronger. They seem like they're. You know, it is more cultish, but they are more at least a united front to an extent. Um, whereas liberals are all over the place. It's like we, you know, if the opposition ever needed something to, to to win an election, it would be the last two years, and and we just don't don't hear enough of them. But I, I guess my point with the three flags as well is, I mean, would you be okay with 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 changing our flag, our national flag? There's two questions here, right? If you're asking. Honestly, that question, then we can talk about the flag and thoughts. But most people are not asking that. Most people, so if you, if I said, for example, no, then most activists will say, oh, you hate Aboriginal people, are you racist? Do you, don't you believe it was a genocide? So the question that they're asking when they say, "Would can we change the flag? It's not that. It's do you value Indigenous people? Do you accept that what happened to them was wrong? They're asking loaded questions behind, would you change the flag? Mm. Yeah, I think so I, I need think, to know. I need to know what you're asking. What I'm asking is nothing. There's nothing loaded towards those those topics to me. It's it's simply that we do have a rich indigenous culture um, that is a very very important part of, of Australia and, and the history. Torres Strait Islands also. Um, I, I for one would not mind merging a flag. I honestly wouldn't. And not, not and, and and this is it. This is this is a flag for our people. This is. Um, this this encompasses you know Australia before the first fleet. It also you know has has portions of the flag that point towards the first fleet. Um, I would I would be totally okay with that, uh, but not you know to your point if you if you change it, it's like oh so you agree with this was bad. We need X Y and Z now more like different story. But I think I think you know I, I would rather see one flag. Honestly, it, it, seeing three four flags. When Albo's doing press conferences, I just I just look at it as like there's there's not many countries in the world that do that. Like I'd I'd have to do some research. I could be wrong. There's not there's not very many I, I know of of note that have, unless it's a state flag that have numerous different federal flags. Right, we're one of the few. Right, so I would as an Australian, I, I don't have an issue with it. I'm not I'm not pro pro England and, and that whole side of things like to to death. Uh, where where the, you know the Union Jack has to be there and all that kind of stuff. I don't mind if we move away from that, in my opinion, but I would, I would love for it to be a, a flag that's one for all that, that we all that we all look up to, and that's that's the country that's a 
Australia's flag and then we get on with things. But uh, to your point, like even if we change that flag, it's it's not gonna not gonna stop. All the all of the debates going on about about numerous different things. It's not going to quail that at all. Um, I think it's going to continue on. But that's just my thoughts on the flag. If if everyone was as rational as what you've just described your position to be, then I'd go, I would immediately say fine, change the flag, all good. But I know that's not what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen is just more activism. They'll gain one centimeter, and then it'll be okay. Now we want another couple of centimeters. And the problem is. I want to. If we're going to do it, then let's do it. Like, if if you want to get rid of the Union Jack and recognise Indigenous um, populations in our history in our flag, well, then we're, you know you realise that we're from a colonial power. Like the the, the Union Jack represents what we are. This um, this uh, representative. Uh, what, I can't remember what the word is. This this monarchy driven, um, con- a constitutional monarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are empowered at law by the crown. Everything is the crown in this country, our entire system. So if you want to go republic and change the flag at the same time, okay, we can do that. I'm I'm up for that, but be honest, you know, at the moment we've just got activists warring on one side and then perhaps activists on the other side saying, no, we want to maintain um, conservatives in general. But what's going to happen is we're going to have creeping activism, which is what's happened. So the flag is now permanently replacing New South Wales flag. So we're going to have this creeping They'll get a little bit, they'll get a little bit. When Labor's in, they'll get a lot. When Liberal's in, they'll get a little bit. But overall, they're still getting a little bit without us actually having a proper referendum, which failed last time, can I point out, the uh, Republic referendum. sure did. We should just do that. We should just mount a case and do it that way. But they've worked out very shrewdly that you don't win that battle with the Australian population. The way you win is the um, salami method, bit by bit by bit. And people turn around and go, whoa, what happened? Well, yep, how have we gone this far? Yeah, yeah. Like with yeah, the, the mandates would have been a prime example of that. But yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's that's the big issue with it all. It's just we, we see it with another another group um, that has slowly, you know, moved on and moved on and inch by inch by inch by inch. And you're like, how do we get here? Um, which is a group we all know very very well. But um, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I just you know, I, th- I think for most people looking at looking at the flag debate, I just I don't think they're that like like we said earlier. They're ten minutes with their coffee and ten minutes at night. They're not they're not too in tune with all the specifics of it and how it then um, encourages other groups to to encroach a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and push this, push that. I think people are just like you know what, just fucking change the flag. Who cares? Let's just do this, change this flag, and let's get on with it. But it's I guess to your point, it's not as simple as that. You sound like every mainstream, uh, good in a good sense. You sound like every fair dinkum, normal, rational Australian out there, right? And that's really the problem: is that the the activists amongst us are not fair and rational and uh, and and mainstream. They they're actually just going to keep taking as long as we keep bending over. So at some point, Australia, I know we like to just rest and say she'll be right. At some point, we're going to have to fight a couple of small battles, whether it's it, what your kids learn in school or whatever. You're going to have to stand up and say, ha, 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 hang on. No, no. Men can't be – what do they say? Uh, some women can have penises, right? No. At some point, you're going to have to stand up and say, excuse me, we can we can talk about respecting trans people. We can talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We can talk about valuing people despite their sexuality. But we can't say women can have penises, okay? Can't say it. It's not true. But how have we come from, touching on that real quick, how have we come from I respect your right to do what you want to do, be what you want to be, if, if you want to go do this, if you want to go do that, not a problem. Doesn't doesn't affect my day. It's your thing, right? Whereas now it's like you you also need to 
buy in and believe what I believe, which is that, that men can have babies. It's like, hang on a second, I don't, I don't believe men can have babies. Well, you're a bigot. Well, it's like, hang on, hang on a second. I'm not a bigot. I'm not against. <laughs> I'm not against your lifestyle. If that's what you want to do, it's your choice. You're an adult. Yeah. If you want to, um, you know, be, you know, you want to trans. You want to do your sexuality. What you do, whether you're multiple sexual partner, whatever you want to do, do go and do it. But don't then bring it on me or my children, right? And I think that's where I'm, I'm stuck in this realm of like, am I the crazy one? Like. Uh, no, you know, you know and, and I think most people are in my boat. I think they they, they don't agree with it, um, but they also are scared to, to 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 say things. And with that silence, the encroachment begins. Like you said, it's it's inch by inch by inch to where what we're seeing right now in the US, people people were hitting me up with like on social saying it was a conspiracy theory that it, that I was posting this stuff about you know the, the drag queen hours and all that. And libs of TikToks just completely exposed it, completely exposed it. Like the account's getting suspended for reposting things that are posted by teachers and whatnot of for people that aren't familiar of, you know, there's 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 teachers out there that are, um, you know, for th- five, six, seven-year-olds putting in transition closets in their classrooms, you know, and you're just like, hang on a second, like, is that something you might want to discuss with the parents or, or you know what I mean? And, and that, that's where I draw the line is like, you start pushing your, your language your your way of thinking on me or children, I've got a problem with that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna voice my concerns on it. But if you want to do it, I've got no problem with that. And that's where as soon as someone says, you know, you're a ex phobe or this phobe or that phobe, people, oh no no I'm not I'm not I'm not oh no no what can I do to fix that? It's like no I'm not I'm not that, but I'm also not all in with you neither. Like you know what I mean? You can be in between the two. Do, well, do you want to skip forward a topic uh, to religion and come back to surveillance after? Because you're basically describing this religious impulse. I think that people don't realise that uh, that you can't – okay, secularism, the idea that the Australian mindset basically, don't worry about religion, do what you want over there, leave me alone, you know, uh, don't worry about the church and so on. That's fine, but we're noticing people are taking up causes – then maybe it's not a Muslim cause or a Christian cause or whatever, but they're taking up causes. So this drag queen hour that you're seeing in the US, doesn't it have that smell of like uh, proselytizing, convincing, like a religious zeal to it? 100%. And that's that's why I wanted to bring up religion because religion and its place in community. I'm, I'm not over-religious, um, Catholic family, um, you know, Croatian background, so all that, but we weren't, we weren't someone that went to church every week, but we'd go every now and then. And I'm starting to see, you know, like you said, these there's there's ideals and, and lifestyle choices that are now that that they're religions, they're they're cults, they're and it's the same people that, like I said, shun shun religion and God's a fairy in the sky. You're an idiot to believe in that. Well, you're you're bowing down to chief health officer or a president or a prime minister to every single word, 100%. I'm all in with that. That's my party. Yep. Whether you're a political party, you're red or you're blue, I'm all in with that. And then it's gone into sexuality now. It's gone into, you know, if you're not, well, if you're not an ally and you're overly, you're not overly supporting us, you're, you're a bigot and you hate us. It's like, what the hell, where have, how have we come to that point? And, 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 and it's just so mind boggling. And, and once you bring that into children whose minds aren't molded yet, who idolize their teachers. If, if your child gets the wrong teacher who's got some lifestyle that you don't agree with um, being pushed on on, on, on that child, you, you're stuck in a rock and a hard place trying to figure that out, especially if you're in the public school system. 
Well, you, you just said, how did we get to that place? I have been learning from my guests in the interview recently that we've always been in this place. There's always been a religious impulse in humans. And if you look at the way the Catholic Church had a stranglehold on the Western world for a long time, right, where if you spoke out against the Catholic Church, I see you could you could replace the word Catholic Church with um, CRT or LGBTQI community or whatever, right? If you spoke out against the Catholic Church, that was this huge sin and society, you become a pariah. Just like now, if a corporation came out and said what I said about Pride Month, which is Pride Month is disgusting, because not because of your lifestyle, because of pride. Pride is not a virtue. We should not be celebrating uh, this incessant focus on self when the thing our world needs is a focus on others, not on the aggrandizement of self. There's a real big problem in psychology that people have been writing about. Anyway, if a company came out and said no, you're not talking about respecting LGBTQI people anymore. You're forcing things down people's throat and saying, you must affirm me. And if you don't affirm me and my lifestyle and my, it's all about me. If you don't affirm me, then you are evil. Any corporation cannot say stuff like that. It's exactly like the Catholic Church was uh, years ago. It's exactly like cults are today. And having been and seen cults, been in and seen cults myself, it smells exactly the same. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's just moved to a different, <laughs> a different aspect of the community, I guess. But I mean, it's yeah, it's it's just interesting to looking at it from above, a bird's eye view of it of how it's changed from from decade to decade. Um, but it's, I guess, the Catholic things of a fair point. I mean, my wife and I eloped um, for a number of reasons. Um, didn't tell anyone <laughs> and. We had family members like, you know, it's not a real real marriage because it wasn't in the Catholic Church. And you're just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a very fair point, I think. And that's that's the the ideals that kind of my grandparents were kind of instilled, that was instilled into them. Whereas I guess the, the newer generation, it's it's a similar, it's a similar path and playbook and just it's just a different aspect. It's just gone more towards politicians or sexuality or kind of who I am as a person, all that kind of stuff. So um, can we pull it back? That's the question. Uh, well, okay. So I've had a couple of guests recently. Alex Washburn is, and, and Professor Thomas S. Harrington both talked about this religious impulse in humans. And I, I'm not sure either of them are particularly religious, but they've just noticed that there is, uh, uh, we don't acknowledge this. We think that we can just live. So Aussies, that, well, I described you earlier, like a very rational mainstream Aussie who's just trying to get on with life. That attitude does needs to start to recognise that there is a religious impulse in humans. It does, I'm not telling you you've got to go and get a religion. I'm just saying recognise there is an impulse there because that's why you have the AOCs of this world um, prosecuting with such religious zeal. And we need to be aware of that so that we can defend against it if you want to stop some of this craziness. I mean, to, to sum up the, the craziness, there's this a data scientist from uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, I think, he was on my podcast and he told me a joke. And he said, this really sums up the religious kind of adherence to authority we're seeing right now. He said, there's, there's this guy who um, he goes over to his neighbor's house and says, listen, I need to borrow your donkey. Uh, my donkey's not well. I need to I need to use yours. And his neighbor says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I don't have a donkey. It died, so I can't lend you my donkey." And so the first guy says, uh, "Look, I really I really need this this donkey because I've got to move this stuff in my field." And as he's talking, he's this he hears this eeyo eeyo. I don't know how to make a donkey noise, but he hears this this donkey noise from out the back of his neighbor's house. And the neighbor looks at him and says, "Listen, mate." 
you've known me your entire life for 30 years, okay? Are you going to believe me or the donkey? <laughs> yeah. the, point, the, the point being is this: these religious scribes that we've set up, whether it be science or um, uh, LGBTQ, um, like you can't, you can't have an opinion because you're being transphobic, which we just saw recently in the US. I don't know if you've seen that video of a Harvard professor in in being questioned at government saying your line of questioning is transphobic, sir. Uh, they're saying it's such a religious thing. You, you can't question things you see or hear with your own ears and eyes. If you hear the donkey making a noise, well, you need to believe me anyway. And I think that's that's not rational. If you hear a donkey, there's a donkey. And I think they're asking us to to almost in a religious way to have faith in them and their rules and their institutions, and we shouldn't. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, and I think it's it's you got to read a lot, you got to study a lot, you got to kind of. I think people that read both sides of politics, both sides, you know, people that have read a little bit of, about different religions too. I think just you know trying to be a bit more worldly and, and educated on, on on the facts as well. I think helps, but I mean, I've been blessed to be able to live all, all around the world. I think that's been huge for me and kind of my makeup is I've lived in blue collar US you know, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, then I've lived in California. So I've seen the extremes within the same country. Um, same in Australia. I've lived in Croatia for a number of months, um, traveled the world, seen Japan, seen China, seen seen whatever, right? So I've been very, very fortunate. And I think that that has helped me understand kind of different people and different ways of thinking. But the religion one is just, just an interesting one in my opinion. And it's, you know, I think the people that – are very critical of religion. I think religion somewhat has its place um, from a positive aspect of its community, right? So I think I think sporting clubs, I think hobby clubs, men's sheds, they exist for a reason. Community is is a religion in itself. Um, I, I really believe that. I think it's it is important um, when it's done positively and in the right way. Now, obviously, religions that become overly cultish—that's um, the question. Can you can you be involved in some of these religions and some of these things without without being all in? You know what I mean? And that's that's the hard thing because people feel like, you know, if you're if you're a new person to a church, right? You you go in and oh, there's that new person. He's not complete. Is he really that religious, or is he just doing it for X Y Z, or she doing it for X Y Z? You got to kind of show that you're 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 full of team and you're full of cause, and you have to go to the extreme. So, I guess my point is with some of these things, there's just not really a balance where you can be halfway in, halfway out, right? Well, I, I mean, I would take a different view too because, I mean, I am a Christian. I, I I am religious in that sense, I guess. I go to church all the time. But my argument's not even about don't be religious. My argument is if you want to be religious, fine, do whatever. But just recognize that humans do this stuff. It's easy to sit in the suburb and say, you know, just relax, you know, be half in, half out. But there are people who are all in, man, and you've got to recognize that these people who are all in, some of them are going into education departments and corporations. Some of them are going into governments and they're prosecuting their religious agenda. And as a, so I'll even have a go at, so I'm a Christian, right? I have a real problem with Christians in, in the own faith that I practice getting all like, we're going to go into government, we're going to take over. I hate it. I was part of churches for a long time growing up where this this idea of dominionism, this idea of we're going to go in there and take over the government. I, I think that's wrong, man. That's that's Anyway, I don't want to go too deep into it. Just to say, be aware of it, Australians, okay? Not everyone is sitting back having a beer on a Friday night. Some people are going to youth group, all right, of various <laughs> faiths. And yeah. these people 
are driven and motivated to change your world, to change your government, your councils, your your teaching, your school experience for your kids. So if you're not aware to that, once again, you're sleeping. I feel like I'm saying that this whole podcast. You're asleep, Australia. Wake up. Yeah. And it's not, it is somewhat by design. I think that we want, you know, I think the the higher-ups want people kind of asleep, you know, go, go to work nine till five, pay your taxes, know a little bit about the world, enough enough for us to scare you into staying locked down, but don't 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 read too much. Like don't over overthink things. It's, it's never as bad as that. It's we've always got your best um interest in mind. And I think that's that's the that's the machine, that's the cog. And I'll probably get called a conspiracy theorist for even saying that, but I think it's a reality. And I know I can only relate to me being a young fella and family, we grew up in, we were in that machine and that cog. And I didn't realize all that, all that outside noise. And you talk to talk to people that work, you know, nine till seven, nine till eight, work long days. Um, ask them about some of the topics where we're discussing that, and you'll you'll get your answer. They, they have no idea for the most part. And I'm not, that's not a knock. That's not a knock. Some 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 don't give a shit. They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to know about that. I don't care. And others are like, I didn't know that. Like I told you know my friend, you know, like. You know, there's a there was a, a swimmer in the U.S. in the NCAA. That told one of my friends that's that's a that's a man that's now transitioned to a woman and is breaking all the records. And he, he thought I was just, like he literally didn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Bogues, yeah. piss off, mate. You, you're pulling yeah. my leg again. You, you, you're pulling, and, and it's like because everyday labourer, right? He's like, no, nah, I don't believe that. There's, that's, there's no way. Um, but they don't they don't they're not they're not reading daily like us and. Um, on, on socials or the cesspool of socials to see all this stuff. But it's just to my point, I think people that are in that machine of, you know, um, wake up, kids breakfast, kids to school, work, coffee, lunch, you know, pick up the kids, sport, sleep. That's 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 the majority of Australians' reality, right? Hey, what did the labourer think when he finally realised it's a real story? Oh, basically he said, fucking crazy, that's bullshit. Um, okay. Point blank, didn't wasn't a fan of it, and he'd be labelled a, a transphobe. He's just like, no, I've 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 got a daughter. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. want my daughter competing against um, men that were that are, that are that are grown men that have then decided they want to be women. And I think that's a fair point. I think you know where, where, where that's transitioned to, which is interesting, is is is, is the transition thing is. Um, feminism was once aligned to the LGBTQ community. I think it's kind of it's completely. Yep. You know, that's right. Gone separate now because of that, and that's the main reason. And but it's it's still there's still a lot of feminists that are scared to speak out against men that are playing women's sports. And it's like, well, if you have a daughter, and you know, it could be debilitating to a young girl, like you know, 14, 15, 16, making her way up in whatever sport, and just gets pummeled by by someone who's you know um, just transitioned at 16, 17 with the bone density of a male and, and muscles and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. We don't have to get into all that, but it's it's that's that's noted. Um, that's no one's talking about the young girl that might now quit the sport, you know. And so, yeah, there's been a, a collision of two comments with the whole feminist movement and, and the LGBTQ community with all that stuff. But, um, like I said, I, I, I want to reiterate, I have no problem with whatever lifestyle you want to live, whatever you want to do. But with things like sport and, and, and young girls, young boys, I've, I've definitely got a problem with it. So that's where I kind of draw the line. Yeah. Well, the whole point of this, this little 
segment was that uh, it's religious, mate. It's uh, if you speak out against it, you're a heretic. So even the LGBTQ community is being pushed by some of the trans community now saying, you know, that you're not recognizing trans rights or that great conspiracy. I am. So one of the questions you said to people, what questions do you want to ask Matt? And one of them said, what does he, what does he think is the most out there conspiracy that he doesn't want to talk about on air? Right. I was trying to think of some, uh, there's a few, I guess, but one that comes to mind for this segment is these people saying one day they will try and make pedophilia, uh, normalizing they'll try and normalize it mm-hmm. i always thought that was never going to happen like that's just ridiculous we won't stand for that but that's unfortunately started and it has i yeah what's yeah. it called um is, uh, is it maps minor minor oh. attracted persons right that's what that's the that's the actual for there's a formal name for it as soon as it gets a formal name it's it's someone's trying to normalize it in my opinion as soon as it gets an abbreviation or a name and and it's 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 absolutely disgusting like it is and don't even get me started on, on, on laws with this stuff and 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 the you know the sentences that 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 blatant pedophiles and child abusers get compared to you know someone who made a mistake on his taxes it's just ridiculous it's an absolute joke um, and I'm you know I know for a fact I mean you know I I know someone someone very close to me was uh, was almost abducted by a serial uh, sex pest pedophile uh, predator was almost abducted like almost dragged into a car. Um, at a young age, and the you know basically go to the police to report it. Oh yeah, we know about him, but he didn't really get you in the car. So, uh, it's like what? Are you serious? You know what I mean? And it's you know, and then as a father of of, the, of that girl, you go and do something to this guy, you end up in jail. Like it's it's backwards. It's really really backwards. But um, moving on, let's finish off with a couple more. The surveillance nation. So. You've been involved with this in your previous life, yep. so um, you can talk to this really, really. Seeing what's happening overseas with obviously China is the one that comes to mind with the social credit system. Uh, people are pretty well in tune to, to how that all works over there, but we're starting to it's see never it happen here, right? Yeah, ne- never happened here until you talked to Bunnings and was it Target or Kmart? Um, what is the reasoning? What is the, I've seen their argument, their CEOs come out and say that it's. The reason, so for everyone out there, Bunnings have a, a few Bunnings stores trialed face, facial recognition when you walk into the, the store. And I think a Target or a, a few Kmarts have done it as well. And the reasoning, Matt, is it's for your safety. It's for your safety <laughs> and our and our employee safety. That was the quote. It's for our employee safety and our workers' safety. Now, I don't know about the last time someone walked into Bunnings and just caused anarchy um, other than being mad that his hammer was $1 more expensive. But... Uh, this is pretty scary stuff, man. I mean, it's, it's a, a corporation just on its free will saying we're just going to introduce facial recognition. Now, there is some pushback by it was it C or or someone's pushing back on it now because of all the public sentiment, sentiment against it. But, I mean, you can't exactly go and shop anywhere else these days when it comes to Bunnings. Like, if you need hardware stuff, <laughs> you might see a the mirage of a Mitre 10 every now and then, every 15 Bunnings. But, like, they've kind <laughs> the of... Mirage. Yeah, they've kind of... Corner of the market, right? So, like the people oh, that say, huge. "Oh, it's it's a corporation; it's their rules." If you don't want to go there, shop somewhere else. Like, <laughs> if I live in like a rural area and the only hardware stores are Bunnings, where am I going? Exactly, exactly. It was Bunnings, uh, Kmart, and the good guys. What's their reasoning? Yeah. What are they doing? What is their reasoning? Well, you've given their reasoning. Uh, no, what's your opinion? What's your opinion? What? Okay, so what they're doing, right, is so I had a facial recognition company and we were, we were developing algorithms to do exactly this. So I can explain it to you with some level of authority and detail. 
What we th- that company that I had now is now closed down due to very poor business partner management, and I've lost tens of thousands of dollars, which I didn't have to lose. But anyway, that's closed down. But what what we do is you can actually track um, data points on a face. So just like your fingerprint, your fingerprint is unique, right? But only because they can match. 50, 200, 2,000. It's a matter of getting as many points as you can on that fingerprint. The more, the better. Same with the face. You can you can match multiple points on the face. So even if you see two Asians, now I'm the only, um, for some reason, I'm allowed to be racist towards my own race. But anyway, we all look alike, right? If you see two Asian people that look very fairly similar to you in your um, white privilege, uh, they, they actually not similar to a computer. A computer will look at me and my Asian brother and say, well, I'm only half Asian, but like if even similar looking, even identical twins, our facial recognition algorithms will be able to, to find quite a large difference between even identical twins because the facial points, can, you can get as detailed as you want. That is exactly the data that Kmart, uh, Good Guys and Bunnings uh, were collecting. So there's a camera at the front door this is not just CCTV footage. Like there's a there's an image of Bogues walking into Bunnings in in Brisbane. That's not what this is. It's it's data points. So it's like code to say your fingerprint, Bogues fingerprint, or in this case face print, walked into this Bunnings at this time. And what they were using this for, and what they've told us what they're using this for, which I believe because it makes sense, is they were. Uh, here we go. This is a quote. The facial recognition technology checks for matches against uploaded images. And they're referring to images of people who were previously in the store that they suspect of engaging in unlawful or threatening conduct. So the facial recognition technology checks the uh, image of Bogues walking to Bunnings and looks for a match against uploaded image database and, and tries to see if you've already been flagged as a threat. Now, that obviously then logically means it must signal to security within Bunnings or the staff to say face print 169.354 walked in, which is Bogues, and he has previously been flagged and uploaded into this database uh, because he yelled at the returns desk at a Bunnings in Melbourne. So that's what they're using it for, and it's plausible what their explanation of how they're using the face prints. The reason behind why they're using the face prints, where they've said this technology is used solely to help keep team and customers safe and prevent unlawful activity. And this technology was solely used to review incidents of theft and for the purposes of customer and team member safety and well-being. It's a bit slippery, right? So they could argue that, yes, they're trying to prevent um, Bogues from going postal again, like he did last time in Melbourne, right? When he walks into a Bunnings. But are we okay with this? I mean, at, at the entrance to these stores, there's a tiny little sign, a little privacy sign off to the side, which I'm sure no one's read, advising you that they're doing this facial recognition trial. Are we okay with them collecting this fingerprint-like data? It's, it's not quite DNA, but it's very, very personal to you. I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. Um, one thing: who, who determines? Uh, that what you did in what Bob Bogues did in Melbourne was enough to have him flagged. <laughs> this is the no fly list in the US. Correct. If you get on the no fly list, you're screwed. Whether you meant to be, yeah, there you or are not. literally screwed. And, and that's the thing. It could be as simple as an interaction of like, hey, you know, oh, you ripped me off on five dollars. Was my five dollars? No, I didn't. And there's a bit of back and forth. That's deemed red flag. So, 
who determines it? Is it, a, is it someone in Victoria who's been, as was spoken about in the first hour of this, has been trained to, you know, the government and the rules are always right. You've towed the line, you're red flag now. Or is it someone up in Queensland who's kind of a bit more op- open to it, right? Who determines it's a big factor? That's number one. Number two is, is this a case of, you know, it's going to protect team members, Matt, but is this a case of uh, we see these self-checkouts, conspiracy theory here. Is this a nice little way to to reduce our, uh, our, our workers that we're employing, Matt? Um, you know, because if you can essentially facial recognition on any on everyone as they're walking back out if they don't pay there's a way to to figure out that person hasn't paid if he hasn't gone through the self-surface checkout um is this a way of, of, of further lowering the workforce i think we can't afford to be luddites so luddite refers to um it's a long time ago but basically people whose jobs and livelihoods were threatened by technology so they went around smashing it uh, we, we can't afford to do that because this technology will march on regardless, right? Uh, we have to figure out how to keep it under control and make sure that people using it are not doing it for the wrong reasons. Because in the US, they're doing things like pre-crime, which we almost had in Victoria. Uh, in the US, they're, they're doing predictive crime analyses now, which is fine. They're trying to figure out which area of crime will be in. But they're starting to apply that to facial recognition in the US where they claim – China claims already doing this. But in the US, they're claiming that they're, gonna, that they're able to tell someone's proclivity towards c- crime based on their facial features, those points that I mentioned earlier that you can train an algorithm to read. So that would mean that – if they detect you coming into the store, they could say you're at a 35% increased uh, likelihood to cause trouble within the store. And then, as you can see, we're just slowly, slowly kind of going towards the minority report version of pre-crime, which is holding people guilty before they've committed a crime. Now, this has been happening forever. This is this is the black person walking into somewhere into With 1950s yeah, yeah. USA and, mm. and say, they're saying, oh, you're going to steal something in here, aren't you? I'm going to follow you around the store to make sure you don't steal. It's, that, so that's um, profiling and racism. That's exactly what we're doing, heading towards here. And so I'm really pleased to say that the consumer group Choice, which we all know, Choice Magazine, Choice Website, they revealed this Bunnings came out and good guys thing, uh, use of facial rec, and have said this is not good. And thanks to the noise they made, uh, now the um, Office of uh, o, o, what is it? OAIC, Office of Australian Information Commissioner, that's right, um, who oversee privacy and so on federally, they are now going to investigate. Uh, they're, they're our privacy watchdog federally. They're going to investigate Bunnings and Kmart and hopefully the good guys over their use of um, potentially breaching privacy laws with this facial recognition tech. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. The fact that, as you said, it was such a small little sign, that that's not a good thing. I think if they would have just came out publicly and said, hey, we're doing this and made it a big thing so everyone was aware of it, I think it doesn't smell as much. The fact that it was relatively unknown till this media kind of splash, that, that's a concern. And I agree, we can't go out and smash up technology. We're, we're, we're too in tune with it. AI is here. It is what it is. got to deal with it. But with that comes now potential legislational laws around it. Like there, there has to be something that you still should be able to protect your citizens. And, and I, I guess my forward thinking is with, with all of this and seeing the last two years with lockdowns and, and, and mandates is, you know, <laughs> Do the math. Like if facial stores, are you supposed to be out? Oh, actually, you're, you're at this Bunnings. This is six kilometers from your house. Facial recognition yes. picked you up. Exactly. That's the that's the really dangerous part of all this that people don't understand is 
you know, look, we, people, then there's all these people that will say, well, you're not breaking the law, mate. You shouldn't matter. Or you've got your phone on you. That's, that's a tracking device. Yes, to an extent, true. But you can still turn your phone off and not bring it with you and you can still get out and about, right? But that's, that's my concern is when, when these, these future lockdowns happen, which are going to have to happen again for something or another, um, it'll be much easier to police. And that's, that's where we go back to what, what we said earlier around if it's used for good, it's good. If it's used for bad, it can be really bad. And that's, that's where we're at with this. Well, I'll give you a bit of tech insider knowledge as well. So uh, you, you can actually bolt on this system. You, you don't need some expensive AI setup. You can take any camera feed. So it, there's CCTV everywhere in our world, right? You can apply these facial rec algorithms to any feed. So just be aware of that. It's it's easy. It's very easy to really? implement this. this any varied, feed? Yes. Mm. In fact, you know the protests um, that I filmed? I don't know if you saw. I, I did a time lapse of one of, of, one of the biggest I think it was the biggest protest where some people were claiming 600,000, some people claim 100,000. The one in Melbourne, huge. you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. October last year, I think. Yep. September, October. I always had a camera there on the side and I, I collapsed uh, 45 minutes or something into two minutes of people walking past. And I I ran it through, just calm down, people. I didn't do facial rick on, on you all. <laughs> I ran it. I ran it through people counting. So I tried to count how many people showed up. Unfortunately, I didn't get a great uh, um, elevated spot. I was just on the, in a bus stop. So we ended up counting, I can't remember what the number was. It was lower than, we couldn't count the sides either, down the sides of Burke Street Mall. So it was, I think we counted 80,000 or something. Can't remember. But anyway, uh, it, it would have been very easy for me to plug that footage into an AI, into, a, into my AI and into a database and- Easily pick out, yep, Bogut was in the crowd at 42 minutes and 30 seconds on the left of frame. That would have been very easy. And <clears throat> some people think they'll wear masks to get around it. No, so we did tests. Right? Cheekbones, right? And all that, yeah. Well, we did tests with masks and I thought you're covering quite a lot of the face because a lot of the data points do come below the cheekbone. And I noticed that um, oh, we noticed that it did degrade it a lot, but it wasn't zero. Uh, we were able to still get some pretty decent matches. And the scary part to me was that our tech guy who was building the tech stuff, he was telling me that they could uh, radically improve the ability to detect, um, raise that accuracy rate even with a face mask. So just using the upper part of the face. So, yes, that's just a bit of like solid data people should know about. Uh, It's... It's terrible. Uh, I think we need to be really careful about it because it's already happening. Like it's happening. In 2003, I had a, a SS Commodore. So, you know, you hassle me about having a Tesla, but I, I actually think I actually think <laughs> it's a wise move. <laughs> I have true roots. It was, an, it was a VY2 Cosmo Purple SS Commodore. Oh, nice. nice. Cat back exhaust resonator cut out, mate. It was loud. Yeah. Uh, you might be arrested um, on the spot for driving that today in Victoria. Oh, mate, um, that that car was – my mum was driving it once. I, my license was suspended, of course. <laughs> I got a three-month suspension when I was 17 for doing 132 in a 110 zone, but I was on my P, so it was 90. So they thought I was doing 42 over. Little did they know I was on my way down from 210. So this is an M5 in I – shouldn't, I shouldn't say such detail about my crimes, should I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we never have a statute in Australia uh, either. <laughs> So I I was suspended for driving, fair enough. My mum goes to drive my car 
police pull her over and she's like, what's wrong? And they come out knocking the window saying, where's Matthew? I'm like, what? Uh, and they, they said, well, we thought you were Matthew driving this car and he's suspended. So clearly there's license plate recognition technology. I think it's those cameras on the back of highway patrol cars that are aimed at a 45-degree angle on, on, the, on the light bar on top. Yep. They're already doing LPN technology. Yep. Hundred percent, yeah. In instant too, yeah. Of course. I mean, that's a, the age-old one when uh, my old, uh, a few of my old friends that lost their licenses would uh, go and re-register their car in their missus' name if they had to still drive. Don't condone it, but for, for guys that lost their license and had to had to still be able to work to get to the job site or whatever they were doing, that's that was kind of the, the runaround because they knew that technology would just pick them up straight away and just easy pickings. But um, I don't condone it. Just telling you how how it all worked. But. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. Look, I just think you know, like you said, you go to a protest. I think the the, the days are coming when you get a fine in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that's what's going to happen. It's going to be. It is China esque. That's what they do there. You know, you just get you just go straight off your funds straight away. You don't get you don't actually you don't even get a bill reportedly over there. It just comes straight out of your your Weibo account or whatever it is, or, or, or your, that's right. your your money just gets deducted for jaywalking. Hey, you jaywalked. And people think that's a conspiracy theory. It's not. Look it up. So another part of this surveillance stuff is, have you been to the bank lately um, and tried to take out money? Yeah, you read my story, didn't you? They questioned me what I was going to use my money for to buy that secondhand car I told you about, $9,000 car. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did the same about a year ago. I tweeted about it. Um, I went and took out, I think it was, so everyone knows 10K is a trigger point where they start asking questions. But um, I went and took out, I think it was below. I think I took out 8500 at that point. Um no, no, sorry. This one was above. Actually, it was about thirteen grand, and I can't remember what I was getting it for. I think it was just to go play poker with some friends. I think, um, or just just to have cash on me. <laughs> what um, thirteen grand to play poker? Slow down, folks. Ten k buying. Slow down. Um, but uh, the lady's like, "What is the money for?" And I said, "Oh, you know, just a night out on the town, <laughs> hookers and blow." <laughs> yeah, basically, just said. I said a night out on the town, and she said, "No, no, no what's the money for?" And I said. <laughs> Oh, I was like, she was like dead serious before she gave me the money. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm buying a car. I said it like that, like, oh, I'm buying a car. Like, obviously lying, just give me my money. She's like, oh, yep, um, where are you getting the car from? I'm like- <laughs> Shut up. Oh, I couldn't believe, I, I'm not joking you, right? So I said, "I said, um, excuse me, I find you, you're questioning very intrusive. Like, can I just have my money? Is that a problem? Oh, there's a lot of scams going around right now with used cars. So we just want to make sure you're safe. Once again, for your safety. And, and I was kind of like, yeah. I was just somewhat, I thought it was an invasion of privacy. I'm like, what, what answer are you looking for? Like as if I could lie to you, if I'm, if I'm going to use it for a night out in the town and do something legal with it, I'm not going to tell you. So I'm, you, all you're doing is condoning lying. But then when I said car, she's like, oh, you know, can we get the tra- blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, can I have my money, please? Um, and it's, it's becoming an issue now. So... Like I said, 10K was generally the, the threshold. But now if you go in sometimes for 7, 8, 9K, they might not give it to you on the spot. There was another story floating around where a guy needed to take out 7 or 8K and, and they, they they said no because they thought it was going to be for for some activity that was not legal because of his withdrawal patterns from the last five years. No, nothing was ever at that point. And that's scary within itself with all this AI, all this tech. We saw... Canada freezing the accounts of trucker protesters. That that was insane within itself. And and that, you know, Commonwealth, Canada, Australia, not too far apart. So they they froze, they froze, they reportedly even froze people's accounts that were donating to the protesters. That's right. 
That's on, right. Not just the money they donated, their counts. They, they were freezing the insurance of the truck drivers. Now, whether you agree with the protests or not, separate thing. But this will be you protesting one day. So um, I, I have huge concerns with this, especially with the bank account stuff. I don't know if you've noticed bank accounts now. If you, if you send to a new account, they hold your money now for an extra two or three days before they send it. I don't know if, if you've noticed that. I haven't heard of that. Well, no, yep. No. So Commonwealth Bank's doing it. If you send to a new a, a new, if I send you a, a wire for fifteen hundred dollars for you know your time on Roguebox podcast, um, which is cheap, never going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it basically says we're holding this money for a couple of days for your safety. So it's 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 scary. Look, I don't think the world's going to implode, but at the same time, I think some of this stuff just needs to be discussed and pushed back. And, and it'd be nice for these kind of things to come to the people. Um, I think that's that's the big thing for me is the Bunnings thing. Bring it out there publicly, make some noise about it, and and get a feel for whether people want to do it. Don't do it with a little sign and then get backlash and be like, oh, shit, we've got a government agency investigating us now. I think that's the wrong tack to take and that's kind of why I think this stuff needs to be discussed. Yeah, I'm most worried about the, um, you see, the, you know, for your own safety. I I put out this, a similar story to you saying, you know, I, was, and I did this and they wanted to know what it was for. And then people replied to me said, I work in a bank, I work at Westpac, I work at ANZ and the reason why we do it is this. And it was all about safety. And they, they're followers, they're great. Their, their followers are discernible. But- they're saying some of the stories they have of like old grandmas coming in saying, well, I've just discovered I have a Nigerian nephew who really needs my help and he's going to send me, I just need to send him $5,000 first. And so they would say, look, we ask these questions to protect vulnerable people like that. And that's great that you protected that grandma. But at some point, we as a society have to determine whether we're going to have a society built with an inherent level of risk in it and freedom and responsibility or are we going to nerf everything and protect everyone like that old grandma and personally I think we should uh, have a society that leans towards freedom and risk with responsibility and if you want to go and get scammed by a Nigerian prince then you should be able to because the alternative is what we're heading into which is exactly what you've described like the trucker protest bank account freezing which coincidentally they did in China and a whole bunch of uh, companies were not able to pay their staff um, people were not able to access their savings to live off it and so they planned to um, take mass transit in China to the I think it was the Hainan province I think um, to go to the headquarters of the bank to protest to say you shouldn't freeze our bank accounts because we can't pay anyone it's been two weeks we can't do anything and the government changed their COVID tick to a red cross and they were unable to get on the mass transport. That's right. Yeah, the cars wouldn't work, right? In China. Yeah. No, they, well, I don't know about the cars, but or they weren't able to get onto public transport. No, the cards, China. the cards, like the actual Mikey or whatever, yeah, or scanning on yeah. through their phone or whatever, yeah, because yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah, a, a red tick. They just turned them off. Yeah, 100%. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what conspiracy theorists have been talking about for 20 years, right? And I think it's, yeah. it's we're getting close to that point where you can literally be turned off. We, we saw it in a small, not a small extent, but with, with the mandates and the – Where's your green tick, mate? You can't come in and have my coffee um, without without the green tick. And I think that that's what scares me is like not not so much for me and and, and you um, or any other adult really. It's the children. Like it's like because they they won't, the children won't know if if you grow up with this being normalised, they won't really know what it was like before. And that's what we see with societal change and decades upon decades is that they're going to grow up thinking like, oh yeah, I should wear a face mask while walking around an oval with no one else near me because that's normal. My parents told me it was. And then their generation is going to do the same, right? Where it's like it takes adults that have lived a great life to push back on it for, for the kids. And 
that's where I see with with this stuff. It, it just does worry me. Um, there is the old adage, like I said, of like if you're not if you if, if you're doing the crime, then you should you know do the time. You, you shouldn't be worried with all this surveillance if you're a, a perfectly righteous citizen. Exactly, but I'm like, nah, it's it's, it's gonna it's gonna backfire because one day like, good people break bad laws too. Like good people break bad laws. It, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm not talking like you know felony type laws. I'm talking with this COVID stuff. Did you go 5.1 kilometers? You you just broke a law technically. You know, did you put your bins out at nine nine thirty? You broke a law, right? Or, or, or a directive at that time. So um, that's where it does get scary. But let's finish off with the world, uh, Sri Lanka. Um, Albania as well, some protests, Netherlands. Uh, what the hell is going on? I mean, the, the Sri Lanka one is very, very sad. Um, I don't know how much you've read up on this, but they point towards the, the WEF, our friends at WEF. I don't know if you saw the, the post that they deleted, Matt. Yeah, I haven't read the actual post. Though. I've only seen an image of it. What does it say? Oh, something along along the lines of three or four years ago, there was you know the standard WEF uh, page on its website about how they're going to turn Sri Lanka into a, a rich and prosperous country with with this Green New Deal. Um, we look at them today, and they're furthestly down the equality charts, I think, and even poorer than they once were. That page from the WEF website is mysteriously being deleted. Um, <laughs> which always Surprise. makes you feel good. Yeah, but I mean, they they went to talk about insurrection. I mean, they they raided their they succeeded. Yeah, yeah, they raided their president's house, swam in his pool, lit it on fire. So much so as government officials and the president, private jets and and private chartered boats out of there. Um, and the, I, when people miss three meals, four meals, five meals. This is the kind of things that, that happen. There were similar things um, in the former Yugoslavia where my family's from, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia at times before even the big wars where things like this would happen. It's generally where the poor are so downtrodden and haven't had a meal and then anarchy ensues and we're seeing that in Sri Lanka which is just just mind-boggling considering that they were, at, you know, at, at some points, there's always been tension there, uh, religious tension mainly, but yeah, huge. That, that, they're starting to... To get on their feet a little bit, they, I won't say they were surging, but they were starting to get a little better, and they put in that that, that green new deal, and and look what's happened. Um, uh, well, we've got to be careful with correlation here. I, I'm not sh- I'm not sure on the whether the WEF thing is the direct cause of it because there's been a lot of corruption in that government for. I decades, definitely wouldn't be direct. Right? Definitely wouldn't be direct. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd go back then and take that back. It's not the direct cause, but it, it does alarm me that the WEF has put in. Um, put in, implemented some of their policies there through government, and then just deleted that whole that whole post that's four or five years old because the country's now imploding. That also does not look good, to, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm worried about, as always, just like you, worried about the everyday citizens. You know, I don't stand with Russia, I don't stand with Ukraine. I stand with the the citizens who are being hurt through all of this. Everyday citizens, the same with Sri Lanka. So they've got, uh, you know, the president's fled to Maldives. Um, he's left the prime minister in charge, and the prime minister has just put out an edict to say to the military, do whatever it takes to restore order. But what you're right, what we're talking about here is is petrol is is almost gone in that country. Um, Food supplies are way down in that country because they claim because the president was not managing the foreign exchange properly, so imports have tanked because they're a little island off the coast of India. And so this is not 
a matter of law and order, just go and shoot everyone. That doesn't work when you're hungry. Like I said to my wife during the lockdowns, when we were not sure, we weren't allowed to go to the supermarket more than once a day and all this kind of stuff. You weren't allowed to take your kids. I said, I had a very difficult conversation with her. I said, listen, if if it gets to the point, if, it probably won't, but if it gets to the point where they say you are not allowed to go and buy food for whatever reason, and my two little girls, two and three or whatever at the time, are crying at home because they're hungry, then I'll be one of those idiots on the news who took a shovel to a VicPol member trying to get into the supermarket. Because when it comes down to it, I will always choose my kids over time in jail or whatever it takes. And I think that's what we're seeing in Sri Lanka. Reality bites. Yeah, it's 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 sad to watch. Um, you know, that all that all works itself out. But with the with the government fleeing, it's going to be a while. I think Albania's had similar protests as well. Netherlands is an interesting one. Um, Farmers are, are going crazy down there. Now, it's always interesting seeing the mainstream media not report on much of this stuff. You kind of have to get what you can off off socials. Then you have to also try to really study the video and make sure it's not some asshole that's put a protest from some other protest, which you know has got us all at one point, I think, until you really watch it and you're like, hang on a second, why is that? Why is there signs in Japanese at a Melbourne protest or, <laughs> or vice versa? Um, but yeah, a lot going on around the world. It, it's... I'm not sure what's going on, man. Like it, it, it really is mind-boggling seeing, you know, has it, has it stemmed simply from the COVID mandates in these countries? Has it stemmed from failure in, in government? Has it been a, you know, an all-in approach for the Great Reset as uh, the great Klaus Schwab has noted in his book, which is there in black and white and yeah, you, actually read, you actually read through. Have you read it? Yeah, I bought it. I did a review on it, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, most of these points in that book have almost been fulfilled, haven't they? Like, like I think six or seven out of the first those those major dot points of um, whatever he was talking about have been close to fulfilled. I just saw a video on it yesterday, actually. But um, it's yeah, I don't know. I don't know where are we? Where are we going? Is everything just going to go back to normal next year? Or no? Come on, no. No way. I think the world, every year I do like a Christmas message like the Queen, you know, and I in December. And my message for this year was, listen, 20, because everyone says, what's the year going to be like? And I said, look, 2022 is going to get darker, and it sure has, than 2021. But um, you know what? Lights shine brightest in the darkest places. So just find those lights and uh, hang around those lights in, in the middle of the, you know, like in a in a in a snowstorm. You, you hang out around the fire, even if it's a trash can outside. You just got to huddle around what you got. And so at the moment, I feel like uh, good people like yourself and and others, uh, and hopefully us at Discernible, we are um, acting as lights in a in a darker world. It's a good point. Um, and yeah, during the lockdowns, there was always people talking about you know try to do something and try to. Try to keep your mind occupied. I mean, for me, it was silly, but it was cooking. I finally had time to, you know, being a pro athlete, I never had time to long cook anything because it was always next training, next game, next whatever. So, I'd, you know, quick pasta, quick chicken, whatever. Um, or you get a lot of food from from a restaurant, uh, being on the road. But I actually had time to do four or five-hour cooks of things and, and learn and make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So that was something I kept my mind going. And I think it's similar, like in these dark times, try to keep your mind going with something. Um, another good thing I did was... Uh, only only tuned into those premier press conferences, I think, for um, maybe a couple of months, and then just completely completely switched it off. And, and then my mental health just went crazy good after that, um, as as most people did. And the reason why I was listening to it, I was traveling a lot of the time within Australia, and 
I felt like I had to know what the hell was going on. So like I don't want to get to an airport and be like, oh, no, you can't fly to that place now because it's a red zone or where's your pass or where's this or where's that. So I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to bunker down where I am and I'm turning that shit off and and my wife and I made a made an effort to, to not turn on again, not turn on good old Daniel Andrews or Palashuk or Berejiklian when, when she was in power and, and listen to those spiels. So that was the other thing. So I think your point about finding the light within your own life, um, got more time to spend with the kids as well, which was great for me. I, I know you've probably been home a bit more than you usually were with your little one as well. I think they're, they're probably things that are, are positives that you wouldn't get in a normal world if you're working nine to five. Yeah, look, if if people uh, actually, I agree with all that. Uh, if pe- some people do want to fight back against what's happening, and you see a lot of protests, movements pop up—not literally just protests, but actual like other other groups—I don't really want to name—but people are trying to do stuff and politically organize, which is great. Go do your thing, all good. Uh, but I think there's a bigger battle to fight. I think every single Australian, that normal Australian listening that I keep referring to to your podcast, I think we can fight by teaching our kids some of the classical things that we all learn as kids, like what you said, falling out of a tree and that kind of stuff, not nerfing the world, teaching them risk management, like teaching them that the world is risky and embracing it and teaching them rough play. And 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 I think we can kind of vaccinate, if we can use that word, our kids against some of the crazy stuff we've been talking about during this podcast, some of the more religious people and activists and so on. If we embrace some of that, classical stuff that we used to all know um, inherently and reject this constant nerfing of the world. Nerfing of the world is not just wrapping kids in cotton wool at the playgrounds and putting fences up at cliffs. It's also intellectually. Yeah, mentally it's in our sure. lang- It's in our language. It's in what we, in how we approach a matter. It's in whether you speak up or don't speak up. Like there's so many areas that we're just trying to reach for safety. And I think we need to, it's the woman who, you know, she gets scammed by the Nigerian prince because the ANZ teller didn't ask her why she was withdrawing five grand. I think we need to start embracing risk and diversity and just the messiness of humanity and not trying to make it this perfect utopian uh, place, which I'd argue is actually a nightmare. Yeah, it's never going to be perfect. Um, and thanks for getting the podcast flag by mentioning a vaccine. What what brand was that oh, vaccine you were talking about? Was it Pfizer just, or Moderna? Just, just oh, okay. You, you got to beep out when I said vaccine and beep out what you just said and we'll be right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get aggregated for sure with this. But I appreciate it, Matt. Um, you know, I like having these talks with, with people who are in tune to, to everything going on. I think we, you know, back and forth on different things. I mean, we agree and disagree on different things. I think the religion take was really good to hear your point of view being someone that's a bit more um, involved in religion and whatnot. But um, give us a few plugs and promos. Where can people find you? Um, and we'll wrap it up. All, all of our interviews are freely watchable. Um, not a fan of paywalls. So uh, discernible.io is our website. All of our interviews are there. Guest list is incredible. I can't. I don't know how we've got these sort of people on. Like you know, Matthias Desmet, the guy who came up with mass formation psychosis, mm-hmm. he's coming on the show in a couple of weeks, and and the great Barrington Declaration authors are coming on in a couple of weeks, and so I've got to try and figure out how to ask some half decent questions to these people. But yeah, website's the best way to follow us. And what's a, what's a grand plan for Discernible? Leave us with that. You take over the world? Oh, damn, man. Look, I just want – I'm enjoying myself, still losing heaps of money. I used to have a house deposit, don't anymore. We're just living on savings. We do make some money. We have subscriptions at, at uh, discernible.locals.com. I have a little private community there, but I've got two staff, two and a half staff members. So um, we're just – it's a passion project, like you said at the beginning, you know. We're not, we're not trying to – I think – okay, I think you can smell 
when people are trying to get uh, fame, fortune, clicks. And I'm hoping people can smell with discernible every decision we make is trying to serve the people watching. We're trying to be helpful. Yeah, I think I think you've hit on the head. I think I think your your, your platform has. I think like the long form stuff. Um, I think having good vast variety of guests on discussing different topics. Um, you might not be an expert on all of them, as I'm not. When I have guests on and just listening and hearing, giving your point of view, I think I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it all. So keep it up. I think people have, and we need more people like that. I think. Um, it's, it's going to be the way of, of – it is the way of the future. It's the way of the now where people can actually tune in and hear, hear people's opinions for 20, 30 minutes without being clickbaited. And, and, and to your point about, you know, the people out there that are – you know, that there's a fair few that popped up that I was somewhat supportive of early in the lockdown. Um, but then I started to notice everything they're putting out is kind of the same and it's just for clicks and it's just for – shares and like yeah fight the power type stuff and you're like i'm starting to get second questions about you you know i've definitely noticed that i think that's a very valid point because there is a fair fair few people that have figured that if i just share this point of view i'm going to get shared and clicks and all that kind of stuff and each their own if that's how they're making money i don't agree with it but they've got the right to do it but that i'm we're the same I'm, i'm not trying to um put stuff out there that's clickbaity we're trying to just have people because there's no point even being clickbaity right like if you say you have some stuff that's controversial that people love or hate and then you you get more listeners for one episode you've got people listening mm. to you that, that that you probably don't want not not so much don't want but that aren't aren't there for the right reasons they're not there for for what you're building they're there for the clickbait new idea daily mail type shit and then they're gonna leave anyway because they're not getting what they want so yeah they yell at you later on. They say, "Oh, you used to be good when you did whatever. Now you don't." Do- yeah, that's yeah, true. When you spoke about when you spoke about Kylie Minogue and and all that, it used to be good. I used to love it. Now you're now you're speaking about real world events, and I'm just getting depressed listening to it. So, <laughs> Berks, it's yeah, so. like those it's like those dodgy uh, NBA players who do car podcasts and have a go at Teslas all the time when clearly Teslas are the superior vehicle in every way. Oh, you wanted to get onto this, didn't you? Yeah, no, I, I don't mind Teslas. I don't I don't mind them. I just think you know the. It's just more manly, you know, the V8 and the exhaust and, you know, you just – how can you beat someone in a car race and they didn't even hear? It's just not right. It's not right at all, you know. Because the cops um, don't notice you. That's what it is. You just yeah. zoom past, yeah. Oh, wait, 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 till we've got, wait till we've got 20 million um, Teslas in Australia and you all have to go for a charge at the same time. You might as well bring a tent. That might be a bit of an issue. Yeah, so this is the reason why I raised the Tesla is a bit of a joke to have it got you, but also this point that you've just made. Like pe- people on the left are like, you've got to buy a Tesla. It's about the environment. I'm like, shut up. They're, they're just better cars in my opinion, right? Or for me in my life. Uh, uh, but then the people on the right are like, ha, 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 you've got to fill your 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 powers coming from coal and therefore Teslas are evil. Like, well, you're both wrong, okay? Like why can't we be honest about what this is? This is – by and large in Australia, uh, emissions from a Tesla, there's the building of the Tesla, which happens overseas, but in terms of running it, uh, you're just relocating your pollution. So instead yeah. of burning f- petrol in your tank and and smoking up your garage with your little kids, I'm dislocating that to the AGL power plant 500 kilometres away. Personally, I think that's a good thing for my kids. It, yeah. Let's say it's the same amount of pollution theoretically in the running of it. I th- I'd rather pollute it only one source where it can be better controlled than have it in my garage and my kids sucking it in. So look, I, I don't think it's fair either way. People are saying um, Tesla's are everything. Others are saying they're rubbish. I think we need to be a bit more um, rational in this discussion because clearly petrol is going to become a 
a collector's item, petrol cars. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about my, few, my small little collection. Like, <laughs> am I even going to be able to fill them up to drive them? Um, is there going to be mechanics around to even work on them in 20 years, you know? Um, but, yeah, to your point, I, I think that's a very fair point. I think um, the people that are extreme on either side are like, ah, it's coming off the grid. Well, we're all polluting the same way. But then there's people that think because you, you're driving that, you're an elite green you're not affecting the environment, like, well, you actually are. Then on top of that, try to dispose of those batteries <laughs> once they die. Oh, that's a big problem. A that's big a problem. huge problem. So you, you got to have that open discussion, right? Is it, I don't think either of them are as bad as each other. I think they both pollute in their different ways, but it's gone so extreme on, on either side. And I feel like the reason why I give you shit about your Tesla, I think like the, the you know, the – the elitist intellectuals all drive Teslas, Matt, you know, and they just they just sit above society in their quiet yeah. zooming cars and yeah. look at us uh, poor plebs like myself in a Commodore holding Commodore that's that's gargling petrol and smells like fuel and you know, you get you get a little bit of oil stains on your hands when you drive it. That's that's kind of what I'm where I'm getting at with all that. Hey, as we covered, I was an SS Commodore driver. I'm into all that, mate, and a Hayabusa driver, <laughs> a rider. Hey, look, the biggest thing is that annoys me. Just an example, right? People go, oh, what do you do? And your, your Tesla's broken down on the side of the road. You run out of electricity. I'm like, you dickhead. Your car runs out of petrol too, moron. Or they say, oh, look, a Tesla caught fire. I'm like, you idiot. Do you know how many petrol car fires there are? Like, mm. we're all in this together, people, okay? You like your petrol cars, Bogues. I think electric cars are more fun to drive. But we're all... Together, we both love cars, man. Like, let's let's be on the same. Well, I still team. like them. Yeah, no, I still I still definitely. I think the, the innovation's amazing. Whether how far they've come as well. Um, I, I think yeah, I think it's sensational. I just like giving you a bit of shit for it, but yeah, it's it's just the extremes. It's the same as politics, left and right. You get it with the cars. It's like, oh, I'm not driving that, you know. And then you got even even with autos and manuals, you have people punching on. You know, it's like, oh, you, you're driving your missus car, the auto, and you're just like, no, I just don't, I, I can't be bothered drive, changing gears today. Whereas, you know, I've got a, my mate and I, like Justin, do the, the car chat where it, yeah. we're kind of the mindset of if you, if you buy a sports car, it should be manual because you want to drive it and okay. feel it, you know? So it's okay. like, then you've got people that are like, nah, I want to drive the auto. The auto is faster anyway because it's a good box and you can't change as fast as the auto can. You're just like, all right, man, just chill out, dude. Like, It's not that <laughs> important, but yeah, to your point, it's the extremes on both sides of the battery and the fuel stuff. And I think both sides have some great innovation. Um, and yeah, I mean, just growing up with, I, I think for me, the fuel cars, I think it's nostalgic to an extent because I, my father had a workshop. I'd walk in, I'd see all these cars, all these Commodores, I'd smell the fuel and the oil. I think it's just that smell even brings back memories, you know what I mean? So I think that's that's a big part of it for me, whereas, you know, probably my kids will be the the quiet, zoomy Tesla because that's what they, they grew up around, right? Yep, yep, sad to say. Been an right, honor Matt, to be on your show, my friend. Appreciate your time. Just over, a little bit over two hours, a nice long talk. I hope everyone enjoyed this. If you um, enjoyed it, give us some comments. We'd love to hear some feedback on our on our uh, all our different rants. I think they're pretty informative at times. Just our opinions on some things, and let us know where we where we got it wrong as well. Love to hear some feedback about where we got it wrong. That's usually where people start, Matt. They usually tell you what you got wrong, and then what you got right. But uh, thanks for the time, and I'll have to jump down to those new studios in Melbourne soon. Cool. Love you, brother. Thanks, mate.